Yeah, I think, uh, let's see, recently I went up to something called Mount Horrid. Mount Horrid, H-O-R-R-I-D? Yeah, as in like really bad, as in like grizzly. (laughs) And uh, there's just a bunch of uh, peregrine falcons up there. There's, uh, you know, you basically make it to the top and then there's like this stony outlook and and you can like, not like stoicism, but like you get up there and it's a giant rock. You can stand on it and just kind of survey the land. Uh, If you look, if it's a clear day, you can see all the way into New York, which is uh, pretty interesting because that's, uh, I, you know, I don't know, 20, 30 miles away from uh, from the top of that mountain. Welcome to the worst of all possible worlds, surveying this land from the top of Mount Horrid. I'm the worst of all possible Bryans. I'm the worst of all possible AJs. And I'm the worst of all possible Joshes. Today, we are finally covering something here on the show that we have wanted to talk about for a very long time. Hideo Kojima's 2019 Deliver em Up Death Stranding. And joining us today on the Once show... Once more under the beach! We have uh, a guest who I'm really excited about. He's... One of these sort of OG webcomic artists. Uh, he's drawn and written toothpaste for dinner since 2002. God so damn. over wow. two <laughs> decades of webcomic action now. Hell you yeah. might also be familiar with his designs at DeShare Zone uh, or his podcast, Everything is Real, where he talks about uncanny events and conspiracy theories with his wife, Natalie D. Uh, give it up for Drew Toothpaste. Hey, thanks for having me on, you guys. It's a pleasure. When I talked to you, Drew, about coming on the show, You mentioned that although you don't really play very many video games, you were interested in the idea of talking about Death Stranding. So, first of all, how did the game come into your life? And then what made you want to talk about it on the show? You know, I I had seen reviews for it, and uh, I'm sure I'm sure some people will be familiar with this idea. You know, I, I saw reviews and people said, all you do in this game is you just walk around and you look at beautiful landscapes. That's all you barely have to shoot anybody. And I was, and they were like, I don't really like it. And everybody's making fun of it. Like all you do is walk around and and talk to people and look at nature and hear this like ethereal music. And yeah. I'm like, well, that sounds, <laughs> that sounds <laughs> great. Like what I want to do. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm neither a capital G nor a lowercase G gamer to tell you the truth. Okay. Uh, I, I'm kind of an old guy gamer. You know, I, I will do, you know, uh, poker and Scrabble. Oh, and, sure. Uh, 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 magic cards. I think that's about as much as I ever uh, as I ever get into. I I think Death Stranding was the last actual triple A or like big budget video game I've played. Yeah. yeah. Had you played any of Kojima's other games? Had you played Metal Gear at any point or? Uh-uh, no, no. Wow. Totally uh, unfamiliar with the guy. I, I remember I got really super into all the stuff around PT when PT came out, mm. which is uh, the predecessor to Death Stranding in a lot of ways. And you see a lot of the echoes of that game in, I think, Death Stranding. Um, I, I, I fell in love with it. Like, I, I can't play horror games, but I watched other people do it. And uh, I just thought it was so fascinating and the lore was just so my shit. So when that got canceled, when when. Uh, well, Co- let, let's let's yeah. get into that for a second. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Let's dive in. Kojima was working at Konami. 
He was like, you know, one of the real Konami guys. I mean, Metal Gear One came out in the mid '80s, yeah, and it followed. You know, it was able to survive the transition from two dimensions to three dimensions with Metal Gear Solid, yeah. And once we get to Metal Gear Solid Four, which is sort of his big finale for the series, you know, he's already recognized as like this strange auteur. You know, this guy who's making games in the business and telling stories in this business and directing cutscenes in this business in a way that no one else is doing. He was one of the yeah. first guys to really aim for cinematic things in the in the 3D realm. Mm-hmm. And by the time he gets to Death Stranding, he's almost bored of cinematic and he, he's going in a in a direction that feels even more like theatrical. I, I don't really play shooting games. And the thing is, you know, I just don't find it that compelling i don't really mm-hmm. like kung fu and movies i i know you guys are gonna tussle and there's it's gonna go back and forth right i mean you just it doesn't it doesn't really matter right right and so like the shooting stuff like if you are alive again after you you get blasted it's just uh we're just doing kung fu and so, <laughs> Basically, like 90%, 90% of the games that you might play that have this big budget are just you're the guy and you're going to shoot. Right. And then mm-hmm. there's, there's a groundbreaking game and they're like, all right, you're not going to believe this. You're a lady and you shoot a bow and arrow. <laughs> like dinosaurs. Yeah. yeah robot dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah. And people got mad. They got so mad yeah, at and that. That's, that's like innovation. So, you know, I liked it. And the only thing... Uh, I I really knew about Kojima prior to that is that he was a pretty good poster, really. Like True. His, yes. Yeah, his, he's an excellent poster. Uh, his tweets, I hope he makes it to Blue Sky, which is like <laughs> really the place to be right now. I would invite him. I'm sure he's already got the invites. Mm-hmm. I uh, want to see more pictures of Norman Reedus's feet on Blue Sky. Mm. I think that's really what the platform mm. is missing right now. I think that's really what's going to knock it into the stratosphere. Uh, So once we get to the 2010s, and we talked about this with Castlevania, right? Konami starts seeing different modes of revenue, which is namely mobile games and gambling machines. Yes. They had been in this realm for a while, and then they decided in the 2010s, we want to pivot away from AAA gaming. We want to pivot away from consoles. We just want to make microtransaction things and gambling machines some of which still use the branding of Metal Gear Solid and Castlevania and everything else, and they're very strange and tacky. Yeah. And Kojima is making Metal Gear Solid Five, and obviously, like, the, the struggles going on with him and the company at the time uh, show up very clearly in that game. Mm. They're trying to wrest the the property and, and even his job away from him, and, of course, they succeed. He, he leaves Konami. And you can see with like Metal Gear Solid 5, it gets released as two games. And the first one is not a full game, but it is sold for full price. And then the second is a first level, right? Like it's just I mean, it's not just a first level, but, you know, there's multiple missions. So it's its own like single map, but it's not it's not something you want to pay $60 for. Right. And then finally, Metal Gear Solid 5, uh, the Phantom Pain comes out the next year and Kojima's name is slapped all over this thing in sort of an act of petulance. Every time you start a mission, it plays credits again and then just puts like a Hideo Kojima game on top of it. And this is like coming up like 2014 is when PT came out. 
right? Yes. And it was just this thing that Konami dropped onto the PlayStation store. Didn't have it had a fake studio name attached to it. Yes. Didn't have anything at the beginning because PT, it turns out, stood for playable trailer. And right. So it was this teaser, really pre- playable teaser, play, playable teaser. Uh, basically, sorry. the whole concept is that you are in a never ending hallway that uh, constantly uh, keeps going down. So you open the door at the end of this hallway and you go down and you reenter the same hallway that you were, you've been in. And there's just all these little esoteric clues and like these weird <laughs> puzzles. Yeah, you it's, have it's a, to solve. It's a walking simulator. You're not picking yeah. things up and moving things around you are solving puzzles by just looking at things sometimes just looking at things in a certain order or looking at things and looking away or yeah. sort of pointing your camera in very specific directions based on how the sound is working all of a sudden it's all the internet can talk about because right. yeah it's everyone trying to figure out and solve the puzzle of this you know and Kojima, no, again there's no the name is not attached to it at the beginning no so no. the whole point is that it's supposed to be this weird like uh glass onion puzzle box thing that everyone has gotten and the internet has to figure it out and they designed it uh it turns out kojima and guillermo del toro and the rest of the design team were designing it so that it would take about a week it took it took three hours for someone to figure it out (laughs) so it turns out at the end of playable teaser it's a silent hill game it's konami's third big property silent hill hadn't been doing well it was this sort of like it was driven by a very specific team of people it was mm-hmm. very well received. It got, you know, there was there were a couple movies which are not good. There was Silent Hill for the room, which was a very interesting sort of new direction for it. And then they sort of handed things over to Western design teams that leaned more on existing iconography and kind of repeating things. And, and people weren't as into that. And so when people saw, oh, there's going to be a new Silent Hill game starring a, a TV star. Right. Uh, directed no. by Hideo Kojima with Guillermo del Toro being involved with Junji Ito doing designs oh, right. for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he didn't work on PT, but it was going to be in whatever this final game is. All these announcements right. got made for this Silent Hill sequel and Metal Gear Solid 5 comes out. Everybody already knows at this point by 2015. Everyone knows the news that things are bad over at Konami. Games are, you know, AAA games are not going to survive over there. Kojima ends up leaving. Uh, starting his own studio, and that's when we get to Death Stranding. Metal Gear right. Solid Five also just isn't a complete game. Like there's yeah. a bunch of ideas that just sort of run out by the time that you get to the end. It plays better than any of his other games. It's it's one of the best games that was ever made. Except then it just wasn't finished. Trickles trickles away. Sure. Yeah. Hideo Kojima, you know, leaves Konami, shutters Kojima Productions, but it's not more than a year before he reformed the studio. It's the yeah. same name. It's still called Kojima Productions, but it has Most no of affiliation the same with people, Konami. Like he, he you yeah, know, he all those people all got sacked. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at E3, June 2016, we get an announcement of a brand new game known as Death Stranding. This trailer, man. Holy fucking shit. Like, I watch this and I'm like, I'm buying this day one. We get like glimpses of the BBs and the BTs and just a nude Norman Reedus walking on a beach. Yeah. And you're just like, I want this. I want this game. Kojima has always been good at like promotion. It was hands on with directing teasers and trailers for previous Metal Gear Solid games. Obviously, PT was a whole new direction in how to make a a convention type teaser for a game. Um, Metal Gear Solid, like some of these things are like 20 minutes long and they're not even in game by the time the actual game comes out. And so this is just like this one cutscene that does end up in Death Stranding, but it's presented to you with zero context whatsoever. 
you're just seeing these images and you're hearing this music. You see this baby that turns into oil and these footsteps on a beach. Uh, and there's only one set of footsteps because Jesus was carrying you for part <laughs> of point. it. Yeah. And these things in the sky. It's crazy. Uh, so Death Stranding starts out with, well, a cutscene. Obviously, what else could it possibly be? It's a Hideo Kojima game. Once there was an explosion, a bang which gave birth to time and space. Once there was an explosion, a bang which set a planet spinning in that space. Once there was an explosion, a bang which gave rise to life as we know it. And then came the next explosion. Norman Reedus is Sam Porter. Sam Porter is the star of, 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 of the show here. He is he Sam is the, Porter Bridges. Sam Porter Bridges. Well, at this point, he's still Sam Porter. Important. Right. No. Right, right, right. He is, is it important? Is that important? I, I, don't, I don't know, know if that's important. I don't know. <laughs> he's, so Sam is riding on his bike, right? Because he's a courier. He's going to deliver some packages. Uh, and the rain is falling and he wipes out uh, this. This game is is trying to sort of set itself up as a physics game, but it doesn't really flow in the way that like a really heavy physics type game would work. It, it's yeah. like you enter into a series of little scripted moments. So if you're tilting too much to the right because you're carrying these heavy packages, if you tilt too much to the right, then it will sort of enter a quick time event where you have to press the left trigger. Yeah. And hold it for a little bit. If you tilt too much to the left, same thing. If you're going up or down something that's too steep or the weight is like pushing you forward, you're going to fall over. Then you have to press both at the same time. And then you can also just sort of hold the triggers to prevent these moments from happening for the most part. Just always <laughs> as you're moving. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's a there's kind of a there's a roughness to it. Mm-hmm. There's sort of a thing where it's like, oh, I guess I'm tilting left now. I don't really know why. But, you know, I'll press the buttons and and it gives you a lot of room to save yourself. So then it's also kind of weird when you fail. Like it's like you're going forward, you're going forward. And then it's like it hits the next script where you fall down. Yeah. Um, But otherwise, like this feels it it, it feels normal. This doesn't necessarily feel a whole lot different when things are just sort of going smoothly than most other games, I don't think. But it is also uh, Dr. I, I like how the uh, the walking is active. It makes you yeah. feel like you're actively walking because if yeah. you're walking on a trail, you're going on a trail in the woods, 90% of the time you're going to be fine, but you'll come across, you know, slippery mm-hmm. rocks. You'll come across the trail, will be on the side of a hill. Yeah. And you you do have to actively walk. And personally, I felt like this uh, this mechanic where you're, you know, most games, Grand Theft, mm-hmm. Call of Duty, you just push, like with the palm of your hand, you can just push your joystick forward. <laughs> your guy just dutifully and perfectly marches. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, focusing on your walking as a mechanical activity is, uh, I think people would say it was Zen. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. you're focusing your intention on walking and so you're treating this as an active component of what you're doing rather than uh something that's always just you know your guy will walk until you hit a wall yeah and before this i don't know of a lot of people who played with walking as an active mechanic outside of like bennett foddy 
I was going to say, yeah, 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 yeah. is the obvious those, here. those games are very extreme in how like strange and unintuitive they are so that you really have to learn the mechanics of how to get the legs moving at the joints yeah, or well, with getting Octodad. over it, of course, you know. Yeah, oh, yeah, Octodad, Octodad yeah. as well, yeah. Octodad also did that, but this is a lot more intuitive than Octodad. And yeah. Octodad was built that way purposefully to, for like to like emphasize the comedy, right? Yeah. Like that right. is that is a game that is so silly because you are bad at controlling. Yeah, it. or Goat Simulator is the same way, right? Mm-hmm. But absolutely. But like, it's a game I, that punishes you for not paying attention to, which I think mm-hmm. is very interesting. Like Yeah, you it's, it's much like in walking like, in real life. Yeah. Yeah, you can't like it also punishes you for going too fast, which I think was my biggest hurdle when I first got into the game. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be I wanted to be the fastest boy alive. I wanted to sprint from one place to the other. But actually, when you get into the nitty gritty of the mechanics, unless it's a timed package delivery. And it almost can, never is. And it almost <laughs> never is, which makes getting platinuming this game incredibly difficult. Um, Don't platinum it then. Jesus. I, I, fuck off. So uh, <laughs> it makes it. It actually is just like take all the time you need. What's important mm-hmm. is that the package gets there in one piece. And if that takes an hour and a half. Then let it take an hour and a half. Who cares? They're they're waiting on beanie babies for the most part. It's not like it's medicine. Oh, I'm sorry. I just I just got a note. Most of it is medicine. <laughs> like it, it's interesting, right? Because this is not a game that just fully allows you to play it any way that you want. You mm-hmm. are st- there. There are many different options available to you, but yeah. they do require that you play it within certain parameters. Um, there was a, an infamous review of this game that was done on YouTube by Video Game Donkey, where mm-hmm. he just talked about how much he hated the movement mechanics of this game. But when yeah. you watch now, I understand, like having now played the game, yeah. when you watch the video clips of him playing it, he's playing the game wrong. Yeah, he's, like he is not yeah. he's not playing it the way that those mechanics were designed to work. And, you know, that this this just comes down to a question of taste, right? Like. Sure. Do you want a game where it empowers you using mechanics to play it literally however you want, like, say, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom? Right. Or do you want a game that sort of forces you into a series of systems that are carefully designed to work in one specific way? There's an idea of immersion in a lot of video games, and this is another reason why Death Stranding was striking to me. I just don't get immersed in many games Mm -hmm. because the the situation is ridiculous the idea that my Mm. only tool is an ak-47 is just (laughs) alienating to me in fact in in real life i try to stay as far away as i can from people with ak-47s i think most people do yeah Yeah. right yeah 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 and anybody who knows kung fu as well (laughs) yeah yeah no i was actually uh like i was i was talking with my with some of my neighbors last night Uh, Everybody lives really far apart. Occasionally Mm -hmm. people get together. There's somebody new down the mountain and uh, somebody said, oh, you know, they're a prepper. And the first thing somebody said is, we're going to take their shit first. We're going, you know, if anything happens, we're going down there and we're taking their shit. Because we know they they have a lot of it. But anyway, when you're forced to focus on the act of doing something repetitive. This is literally a meditation technique. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one, you know, the classic way of meditating that people think about is you sit in the lotus position and you're quiet or you, or you say om or whatever. Uh, but there's another one, which is the meditation of repetition. 
And mm. like there's a lot of arts such as like Japanese calligraphy where you have to do this repetitive motion. Japanese calligraphy or the traditional style starts with grinding the pigment you use to yeah. make the ink. Yeah. And oh. so this is a meditative process. And so what you do when you're placed into an environment and you have to focus on what you're doing, then you're immersed in the game in a different way from just going through and saying, how do I get all of my, how do I get all of my trophies? Yeah, AJ. <laughs> hey, oh, this was after the game's done. That's what I actually really appreciate about the game sure. is that most of the trophies uh, you can get in the final chapter of the game. It's, it's interesting because it is a game that has a lot of systems. It's not necessarily going to encourage you to interact with those systems in a free form way. It is going to tell you this linear story right. and the, the things that are going to push it forward in terms of like gear that you get or opening up spaces is going to happen through the main story missions. So it yes. always has, even though it's a long game and even though you can take time to deliver back to places you've already been, it is a game with a lot of forward momentum to it. My notes are basically two pages of the first hour of this game and then two pages about the mountain that you climb. Yeah. Like all of the all of the great ideas are introduced right here in the same way, like to be an asshole, Samuel Beckett introduces a road and a tree and two guys in bowler hats. Yes. Right. With a yeah. backpack it's, it's, full of radishes. It's so visual and so specific. And mm -hmm. it is keeping so much mystery open. Yeah. Because yeah. in this cutscene, we see, or more accurately, don't see these spooky, invisible, ghost-like creatures, which are able to walk around on their hands. They just create handprints everywhere. And mm -hmm. they turn the environment around them into this like dark black sand and tar. And we see this this rainfall that's a lot right. That's dangerous. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. it's not normal rain. It's called they, they call it time fall. And it sort of operates under the same principle as like how photons, because they travel at or near the speed of light, end up existing on a different temporal plane than you or I. Right. They because time has has become elliptical for them. And so in this game now, rain has that same property. Once it hits the earth, it sort of goes back to normal. But the moment it strikes something, it pushes it forward in time so it's it's a danger to biological life because it could shorten your lifespan significantly and and it's not just for set dressing yeah. it's also a mechanic in the game mm -hmm. because again you are delivering this cargo meaning that if cargo on your back is left out in the time fall for a long period of time the containers for that cargo will degrade and mm -hmm. eventually break down entirely then mm -hmm. causing damage to the cargo itself yeah uh, so, okay that's also what i thought it did that is not true. Oh. So for any cargo that you are delivering to a place, Timefall will not degrade it on its own merits. If you have anything that you need to use to get there, ladder, let's say uh, a yeah. rope, for example, Timefall will destroy that. Okay. But it will only destroy the container, which Got means it. that if you fall, it will break a lot yeah, easier. Yeah. So it makes, okay. the, it makes the container more fragile. So if you sure. fall down the moment you step outside, it won't cause much damage. But if you've been in the timefall for a long time and then you fall down, it'll cause a ton of damage. Yeah. And so that's why I thought the game was so unfair at first. Sure. Because you're forced to go through these long sections of timefall. And I'm like, but how can I make sure the package is 100% intact <laughs> if you're making me go through the thing that destroys it? And then turns 
turns out I was wrong. Because and I you that playing it the second be, time. You need to be teacher's perfect boy, and you need everything <laughs> to be perfect. And this game does I not. I am the legend of legends, Brian. Yeah, this game doesn't want perfection. It'll it'll reward it you for perfection, but it never docks really docks. It doesn't take anything away from you for lack of perfection. No, but you, but you had likes. mentioned uh, that yes, this this does cause the cargo to become more fragile. And speaking of fragile, mm. uh, after this sort of opening sequence slash cutscene with these spooky BTs, this other courier shows up. This is fragile. She's played by Leia Sado, uh, and she basically keeps Sam from getting owned by the BTs by showing him that he needs to cover his mouth and not breathe. Mm-hmm. And yeah. once the rain passes, they talk. I think they're gone. Didn't mean to grab you so hard. Tears. A chiral allergy. So, you have dooms, like me. I've got the extinction factor, but I think you got me beat. What's your level? You can see them, right? No, but I can sense them. Level two, then. What are you doing here? Trying to stay dry. Same as you. Time falls let up. My name is Fragile. So we're introducing a, a thousand different ideas here <laughs> that will all, unfortunately, will all be explained later. But but like in excruciating detail. But what's so yeah. wonderful about this scene just on its own is it's like, OK, here's a world where rain works different. You see rain hitting his skin and his skin wrinkles. It hits the plants and they grow fast and they die as it's falling. Uh, we see these little like bugs that float through the air that people eat to to maintain their health or whatever that fragile specifically eats yeah. just oh, like she a loves shit them. ton of these things yeah, yeah and, them like nugs. candy just like, yeah. Yeah. and we we get a sense of sam personally he has some sort of disease or something they both do where they can see or sense ghosts in some way he cannot he, he's not just afraid of but physically averse to physical touch yeah, he'll, um, he'll break out in a rash if somebody tries to touch him. And we see yeah. later, like, we, we see, he's nude for a lot of this game. And when his clothes are off, you see that his body looks like the, the like, French cave paintings of the, yeah. the paint around the hands all over the walls. Well, I mean, you have to establish, when you have a dystopian story, you have to establish that it's a dystopia. So you show that there's nothing around, and then you have to eat worms, right? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. The, rain, the rain will kill you. Yeah. Uh, so you have to be totally covered up. You can't get wet, and you also can't breathe. And I think a lot of people... Uh, seized on this, you know, right, right as the pandemic yeah. uh, was really getting going, and they said, "Oh, this is uh, this is the perfect game uh, for now," which it would have been if you would have played through Death Stranding, and then halfway through, everybody said, "Well, a little bit of Timefall," and it also kids can get Timefall, <laughs> and, and it's fine as a treat, little Timefall. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I think the metaphor didn't really land there yeah, yeah. Uh, long term, but you do you do have to uh, show that, hey, uh, you know, life sucks in whatever time and place that this is happening. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, people have to work together and come together, except Sam can't because nobody can touch him. So. Right. OK, so you've established that we're in hell now and then you mm-hmm. you kind of go from there. From what I can understand from the rest of Kojima's sort of uh, coterie of female characters, right, um, they're usually not 
100% fleshed out a lot of the time. He has a lot of trouble. Oh, there's I a think. lot of flesh. Oh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> same thought, yeah. Sure. But I think that Fragile, he kind of really goes out of his way, and it's sort of a turning point in him writing uh, a female character. I actually think the women in this game are, for the most part, pretty great. I think the way that they are still sort of attached like fragile is still like oh it's her appearance that like it's altered and changed in this really horrific way and that you know mama a little bit later on is mostly you know known for her connection with this baby right yeah, her fertility like, yeah. th- that there is that there is still tied to that but that being said they are still i think very well drawn characters who want things and i think that's it that's i mean it's a lot to ask of a video game uh uh female character to have uh wants and needs outside of the main male protagonist yeah and fragile has a whole like she runs her own separate uh porting company she she may or may not have abetted terrorists at a certain point and is trying to get revenge on them like it's an entirely separate plot that just kind of peripherally involves sam after we have this opening which again is establishing a lot of stuff for us sam walks through just some beautiful landscape this is supposedly the united states but it's definitely iceland and uh (laughs) heads over to a city while some fucking banging ass music plays and the music in this game, there's really two major components, and I pulled clips of both. Mm-hmm. The first piece is the incidental music, which is composed by uh, Ludwig Forsell, and we've got a, a clip of that. But the real standout music in this game is the compositions by a band known as Low Roar. Personally, I am like really alienated from this uh, this like European paradigm of music, this like mm. Icelandic, uh, very light, soft. It's like a turtleneck style of music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's sure. Like men in sweaters singing <laughs> softly, and there's a lady there, and she is very. She has really big eyes, and she starts singing softly as well. But it it worked really well for this game because it is it really contributed to the environment, yeah, which yeah. is just like it's it's you know you're in hell and you're sad yeah. and and there's nothing to listen to but this sad music. It really did set the scene. Well, and and to explain it a little bit further, this is not just like music that exists in cutscenes. This is 
basically every time you approach a major city for the first time, this will just sort of come up while you're still in the field, while you're walking your way over to that place. And, and the effect yeah. of that is is very powerful. I mean, music is such a great manipulative force yeah. in yeah. art. And it's, it's a very powerful and you kind of you don't want that moment to end while you're, you know, coming down from the mountain and zigzagging down the path and going to that city. I've, yeah. I've got a quote here, uh, and this is from uh, Rachel Weber uh, in a publication called Glixel, which is now defunct from mm-hmm. December 16, 2016. And I quote, something just clicked for me. So I went to ask about it. Kojima says it turned out to be a song from Low Roar's 2014 album Zero. And they told me it was an American band that was based in Iceland. Needless to say, I bought it. Once I was back in Japan, I was listening to it almost daily. Yeah. And that's something that's so cool about this game in particular is that it does just seem to be Kojima being like, well, I like all of these things. I yeah. like Low Roar. I like Conan O'Brien. I like Guillermo del Toro. Let's throw all of those things into the same game mm-hmm. and just see what happens it, And in a way that I think a lot of great art does. Right. And it. It never feels out of place. It never feels jarring. It feels like everything sort of makes itself into this cohesive whole that should not work. Yeah. This game should not work, but it it does. It's 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 a masterpiece. I, I don't know what else to say about it. Yeah, and and you know, we've we've framed up a lot of these different pieces now. And in the first place that I think we really see all these pieces come together is in the very next cutscene, like interactive cutscene. They kind of do a Last of Us thing where like you are technically in control, but not really, like the truck scene in the yeah, Last I of mean, Us. It's, it's exactly yeah. like the Last of Us in that you are yeah. in a pickup truck and you can rotate the camera. Exactly. Uh, and mm-hmm. and I think it succeeds where that Last of Us scene fails miserably because the Last of Us scene just wants you to keep looking forward. And yeah. this doesn't really give you anything to look at at any angle and is no, somehow therefore it, stronger for it. Well, that's you know? what's crazy, right? Yeah. Because Sam makes it to Central Knot City, which is where he needs to do another one of his deliveries or whatever. Mm-hmm. And yeah. another porter shows up with a corpse in the back of his truck and they need to carry it to an incinerator. How long since he flatlined? I don't know the exact TOD, but I'd say it's been upwards of 40 hours. He wasn't quarantined. Not sick. This is a suicide. Jesus. We're just lucky we found him at all. Got him on ice ASAP, but who knows when he'll go necro. Where are you taking him? Uh, Closest incinerators to the north. This route's crawling with PTs. Sure you can't use another? I wish I could, but there's no time. Then just burn the poor bastard right here. You put all that Kyrillum in the air so close to town? Can't do it. Better that than trying for the incinerator. Hey, we can do this. We just need someone like you with dooms. Death is a very dangerous thing. So even sickness leads to people being instantly quarantined because the moment that you are in contact with a dead body, something very, very serious can occur. This game doesn't let you know just yet what that is. But you're going to find out in about six minutes. (laughs) Yeah, Again, it shows you rather than tells you. There's this incredibly cool scene because once they get moving with that truck, suddenly they are surrounded by these ghosts, by these BTs. Yeah. The whole space just turns down and you see the body bag is sort of growing. Right. This black umbilical cord. Right. From its middle section. 
And yeah. that's not good, is it? <laughs> no. Uh, I do I do like how everybody has like a little bit of the Duke Nukem. Like they get right up on the microphone. Like, <laughs> I don't know if he could take it. <laughs> you gotta uh, you gotta do that. They uh you know, they spent about five minutes uh going through fragile's character and establishing that she actually has a personality and she's not like just the girl yeah so mm -hmm. they had they had to reel it back in they had they had to get the gamers back in the loop and they're like, okay <laughs> oh yeah we are gonna do don't leave just yet we are gonna do duke nukem voice yeah, yeah well yeah. And, and and of course then also we get our big spooky bad guy Right. Yep. And that's right. another yeah. big thing we well, get. This and, is the, and the way the bad guy is introduced is so interesting because especially especially the way that Kojima does things. If you introduce a character, especially an important story character, you're going to get the camera like start at their feet, pan up yeah. to their face, rotate around them five or six times. And then a big like thing will say, this is the bad guy. His name yeah. is extra bad man. And he's <laughs> yes, played by Higgs. Tom Cruise. And yeah. Who and, is played by Troy Baker. And we get an intro for Higgs a lot later, but here yeah. we are just, it's almost like, wait, some guy just showed up in a gold mask and then disappeared. Because right. for the yeah. most part, we're just keeping the threat of necrosis, of the ghosts, and then of how the ghosts drag you to a bigger ghost that then eats you and makes everything explode. And this, yes. by the way, is introducing another gameplay mechanic. This isn't just for yeah, show. This is the void yeah. out. This is a yes. mechanic that you probably won't ever encounter uh, in the <laughs> game if you're playing like a, a non-freak and you don't want to kill people. But of course, you're going to be dealing with the ghosts, and this is the way that the ghosts work. This is a great scene. I like all mm -hmm. this. What yeah. what I was saying earlier about Kojima making things that were very cinematic in the early days of even the PS1. Once you get to like Metal Gear Solid Five. He moves away from the usual cinematic language into something that's more built around what he's able to do with a motion capture stage, which is all continuous. It's 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 yeah. more stagey. Uh, Metal Gear Solid five, of course, took this very weird direction where it never cuts. So you go straight from gameplay into the cutscene, but it also doesn't cut between shots. It's just like a single guy holding a moving camera. Mm -hmm. And there are these very oh, funny wow. shots that are like shot reverse shot conversations where the camera's just a whip panning back and forth for like, <laughs> like 12 yeah. minutes. This does do cuts. There are cuts mm -hmm. that are made, but the, the takes are very, very long. And sometimes it just lets you sit in the middle of a whole lot of action where stuff is going on over on the left. Stuff is going on over on the right, and sometimes you can even rotate the camera yourself. Well, it goes back to the point of immersion, right? Yeah. Like mm -hmm. when this is at its best, I think that at the point that you were saying, Drew, like this makes it feel immersive, right? I think you, when you're in a video game, you have the advantage of basically having the camera be non-corporeal. So you mm -hmm. can put it anywhere you want and you yeah. can yeah. move it as fast as you want. So you're really kind of doing like this hyper version even if you want to say you know it's theatrical it's really kind of hyper theatrical yeah. I think. maybe like uh, maybe maybe like immersive theater perhaps Ooh. 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 You know, but, but when you but when you see but when you see how the motion capture is done for video games it it looks like a play it, yeah. like it for the most part does look like a play because there's just cameras everywhere right so because they have to capture every single angle and, and huge arrays and he's of course working with like state-of-the-art like new 
new shit all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also uh, very experienced mocap actors, especially in Troy Baker as Higgs. And also then this culminates in a very freaky way where mm-hmm. one of the guys, that guy who t- was talking to you about like, yeah. oh, we got to go deliver the body to the incinerator. Oh, he God. gets snatched by one of the BTs, is flown up into the air. Yeah. And he yeah. tries to kill himself and fails. It's so yeah, you have one guy who yeah. gets caught in the time fall and his oh. face ages a hundred years in front of your it's eyes. So cool. It's so horrifying. And you die. It's, and you die. You fucking die. Because <laughs> die. as it turns out, <laughs> Sam can just die and come back to life again. Much like yeah. any video game protagonist. That's true. And so uh, after he, he ends Mario. up spending some time on the beach, which is another thing we'll talk about later. Well, actually, Sam, Josh, he's in the seam, which is not okay, quite whatever. at the Fine. <laughs> Fine. It's the, okay. Sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, you're the lore head. You were, you were paying attention to those cutscenes. Um, Unfortunately. Sam, Ryan was the sicko who read the interviews in Sam, the mail, the interview tab. <laughs> Oh, God. Okay, so no, Sam, the interviews are bad, but they're not as bad as the male. The male's way worse. Yeah. Sam wakes up in a facility that belongs to a company called Bridges. This is mm-hmm. a delivery company. And there's a guy there named Deadman who's portrayed by Guillermo del Toro, although it's voiced uh, by a different guy. Yeah, his body is Guillermo del Toro. The actual performance is... Um, it's the actor who played LeFou in Beauty and the Beast really? in 1991. Yeah, he's a, oh, he's a yeah. Venezuelan-American character actor. Basically, Deadman lets him know that Bridget, who is played by Lindsay Wagner, uh, who, by the way, happens to be Sam's mother. Yeah, the bionic <laughs> uh, woman herself. It turns yeah. out that although she's president of the United Cities of America, which is basically the reformed entity that exists now that the United States no longer exists, well, mm. she's not doing so hot. Yeah. And then she fucking dies. And so Die Hardman... Uh, who is played by Tommy Earl Jenkins in what I think is an excellent fucking performance. An excellent uh, performance of a role that I don't know what that is. He is another guy in a mask, but yes. it's not a gold scary mask. Correct. Like Higgs, it is a silver mask. And in, in this world, some people choose to wear masks for reasons that are kind of explained. Kind of, but not yeah. really. No. It's 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 chill. Don't worry about the, it. The yeah. It's interesting because the it just, looks just cool. Just to talk in a purely technical sense, this mm. feels like a very real mask on a real human face because it is yeah. slightly articulated. Like the jaw yes. opens and closes, but it doesn't open and close the way that you would do it if you were just animating the mask, where it opens and closes the same as a normal mouth. It's only when yep. it's enough force is applied because they were using real stuff again this is kojima just like playing around with all of his tools being able to scan bodies being able to recreate actual movement of this mask bottom line here is sam needs to carry bridget's corpse up to the incinerator we learned last time around that if you just pop that fucker on a truck you're gonna have a bad time and sam has something called dooms which allows him to detect bt's it's like it's sort of like hot hot milfs in your area yeah, but it's like yes. hot BTs in your area. He's able to keep an eye on them. And he has a regulation order bridge baby, which is just a baby that's in a little pod that is able to actually let him see said yeah. BTs as well. So yeah. to, to establish without getting into the whole uh, Egyptian mythology thing, uh, <laughs> there's to, just on the basic level of what's happened in Death Stranding is an apocalypse has occurred. Because at some point in the recent past, we discovered that the afterlife was not only real, it is a physical place. Right. And the discovery, 
uh, and the connections made between the mortal plane and the life beyond our own has caused uh, paradoxes and all kinds of other environmental troubles for planet Earth and possibly even for the afterlife, because now ghosts are getting beached back on earth they are being called beached beached things things. yeah bts so this is why corpses need to be disposed of and this is why there's chiral whatever's in the air that's why there's these little floating bugs that you have to eat all of that yeah these these are all like being beamed in from the other side and so babies bridge babies are uh (laughs) bbs for short they're in a tank that uh has a quantum umbilical link to a brain dead mother that was carrying this baby. Right. And so because of that connection, they're able to help you detect things from the the other side. It's like uh, if you want to detect sound, you need a microphone, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you've got this longitudinal uh, compression and expansion of air. And so you need to convert that into an electrical signal. So you need something that bridges the gap between those two environments. Likewise, if you want to talk to the dead, you have to have one foot in the dead world and one foot in the alive world. Uh, I I think it's pretty common in the theologies of the world that there's uh, an afterlife or some sort of global consciousness. Uh, you know, you've got the beach, which is yeah. this sort of purgatory. I, I think it's okay. Uh, the baby thing, I really... Honestly, did not like jostling the baby. Mm-hmm. That was a, that was like a huge motivator for me. You know, we talked about walking and the walking yeah. mechanism. Well, I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to. Uh, you know, bang this baby's head and it's floating and it's not. It's not in a little. Uh, if you've ever had a child, you know, you surround yeah. <laughs> them with with padding. Mm-hmm, Everything right. they have is soft and rounded. And this sucker's just in a little aquarium and you really could shake it up, but it just like bonk against the sides. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's awful. Yeah. And, and when you so, fall down, the baby screams at you through oh, your yeah. microphone. Yeah. Oh, it's oh, terrible. Yeah. It's, it's such yeah, a, and it, it, oh. it screams through your uh, through your paddle. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That you're holding the first time that happened that was alarming to me yeah, yeah and then you it's, can it's really it down, really like troubling because yeah. th- there is this mechanic yeah if you fall down if you get hurt if you kill people which again most people won't do but if you just like straight up murder people this baby gets very upset um yeah. and will just cry at you and the colors on the remote like will change and so you have to do this very complicated action where you hold l1 Press the down button on the D-pad and then press square so that Sam can then take the 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 tank that the baby is in off of his chest. And then you have to rock the controller. Yeah. And you like can't do baby. it too hard. You, If you do no. it too hard, he'll get more upset. You uh, you actually do have to be like very, very yeah, gentle until with you little until baby. you calm the until you calm. Eventually we find out that the BB is named Lou. We're just going to say until you calm Lou. Yeah. This is going to be a game. This is going to be an episode where we are going to explore all the way to the very end of the game. Yes. This is going to be an episode that just digs all the way into it. If you don't want yep. things spoiled. You should stop now because I cut two minutes ago when I when I I cut AJ's whole thing where he spoiled the very last moment of the game. Um, But (laughs) but we will spoil that in just a little bit. I just wanted to put that warning there. I think it's a game that shouldn't have spoilers. 
Um, except that twist is good. The other ones are bad. <laughs> but but it's a, I, yeah. I just wanted to finish the thought about the baby yes. before we got yes. into spoiler yes. territory. Yes. It's it's a very physical action, and a lot of this game is very much about like an, an actual degree of physical um, effort. Uh, it, it flared up my tendonitis real good, uh, but mm. uh, that that usage of the controller as a thing that exists in your space that you interact with physically and that you think about physically that makes sound at you that produces light that reacts to your own movement is something you don't see, certainly don't see in triple A gaming outside of like Kojima's work <laughs> that I can yeah. think of. Well, and especially for the director's cut where they've put in the haptic feedback on the yeah. PS5 controller. Oh, sure. It's unreal how because good the, it is. When you pull the triggers, it can be a different level of like yeah. give or or take based on yeah. how heavy the packages are. Right. And uh, yeah. And when the vibrations uh, happen, uh, uh, they're just a lot stronger in the director's yeah. cut. Sure. Like it is every step that you take feels different based on how much ca- cargo you're carrying yeah. at any given time. Like it's so much work and thought um, and craft went into making even uh, like controllers scanning. You have this thing called an Odra deck, which just scans the area in front of you. It gives you information for how deep water is or like how uh, you know, if there's an, an object of interest that you can pick up or something like that. A very useful device. Every time you scan, it's momentous. It's weighty. Yeah. There's a little vibration. Mm-hmm. It makes this huge sound and you just see this ray cross the screen in front of you. It's just fun. It, is, it just feels it, great. It is also really great for finding MILFs in your area. Yeah, it's like, it yeah, definitely yeah. is. They, they yeah. just ping up with little <laughs> icons all around you. And all yeah. of the big delivery mechanics then come into play in this next section, because yes. once you've had the chance to deliver the corpse to the incinerator, we begin chapter two, Amelie. And we learn basically that Sam has to go west to find his sister named Amelie, who is also portrayed by Lindsay Wagner, but she's de-aged. She's being held hostage by terrorists. And so along the way to get there, because he's got to go west. And Brian is shaking his head because, yes, this is like it's so it's like it. Why did it have to be about America? Why did you have to meet the president of the United States? And why does she have to be your mom? Other than it's Kojima trying to relitigate and complete some thoughts that he had for Metal Gear Solid that he never got to get in. No, but but I have to talk. We we, we just have to put it out there. It's just like this weird thing because she's obviously just not a living person the whole time. She's just on the beach. It's fine. Spoilers. She's there at the very beginning of the game (laughs) so ultimately your mission is to go to basically every single delivery terminal in the united states the former united states of america bring them onto the internet basically the chiral network which is the new internet and uh unify the decimated former united states of america into the united cities of america which will usher us into the united under contracts with uh logistics corporations that's right UPS uh, is the new like company that runs the U.S. of A. Well, and, and the, so the chiral network is, is so interesting, too, because it's like the the pale in Disco Elysium. Another game we talked about where oh, there yeah, is like this cloud yeah. of dense stuff that's very dangerous for people to interact with. But they do every day to, you know, just ship random goods. And they're also able to run radio networks through this sort of right. dense material of the pale. Now that we yeah. don't have the sky anymore. And it's just like particles of heaven and hell sitting above mm-hmm. us in a in a in a constant layer of cloud. 
you're able to use that to create new telecommunications connections. You can't fly planes anymore. You can't make right. cell phone signals anymore. But you can harness the materials that are there up in the sky that all the ghosts are coming from. So Sam yeah. basically carries a like there's this necklace that he has that has like a bunch of little USB sticks on it and he can put it into yeah. a little thing in a terminal. And by putting it into a terminal in one of these delivery stations, he basically takes it online yeah. and gets these people onto the chiral network. And this is when the game stops holding your hand and really just opens up to you. And yeah. so there's a few mechanics that I think we should talk about here. And the first big one is just the process of going, making these deliveries getting the facilities online and then using them to store materials. Basically, what you're doing for most of this game is just going from one place to another. That yeah. is interesting enough on its own, but there's an idea that you can iterate on if you're designing a game. And this idea is efficiency. How do you make these deliveries more efficient? And so what this game has decided to do is incorporate a little bit of what From Software has been doing for the Dark Souls games and Bloodborne and everything else, which yeah. is this um, asymmetrical online multiplayer, which is you're not literally encountering other players in this game, but mm -hmm. if they drop something, if they die in a certain spot, you might find some of the, the, the deliveries that they weren't able to complete. In addition to that, if you or someone else has set down a ladder that you've been using to climb up a mountain or cross over a ravine, that ladder will also appear to other players in sort of this limited network of people. So you'll you will come across things that you can cross because someone else has placed something there for you to be able to use. And then you can give them little likes <laughs> in response to being able to right. use it. I genuinely have no idea how this works. I don't know uh, how it decides who is on your network and who is not. Um, but there is you can track everyone that you've interacted with uh, in a little menu. Yeah, that you'll you see can their, get their the usernames. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you are rewarded for interacting with like very similar people multiple times on your journey because mm -hmm. you are trying to get through this thing together. It is teaching you to play this game co-op, even though you are playing it by yourself. Yeah. You know, I honestly, I turned off the online thing. You did? Whoa. Because I, I was playing it and there's just a bunch of shit everywhere. Sure. <laughs> and there's a bunch of like dotted lines and there's a guy and they put their gamer tags everywhere with like fours and zeros in there. Yeah. <laughs> there's all those holograms. love fours and zeros. Yeah. 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 And there's, and, and people just left garbage everywhere and there's like little signs everywhere. It just really, uh, it didn't appeal to me. So I just, turned okay. it off i'm like well i'm gonna you know i'm gonna go walk through if i'm gonna have this uh uh immersive experience i would like to have a a pleasant immersive experience that's interesting i, I think it'd be like you know if if you're walking through the woods and you're deep in the forest if you come across graffiti it just it it doesn't just feel you know if somebody spray paints a tree or carves mm. something into a tree it doesn't just feel like well this is this is everybody so you shouldn't do this it feels like an affront to nature yeah. but sure. i think that's i think that's a plus in in terms of how immersive the game is and how mm. You know, quickly, I, I at least personally sort of attuned to the environment in the game 
where I was like, you know, you guys are like scorching up the environment for me. <laughs> like it's just all full of weird litter and holographic trash and shit. And I don't want any of this. I just, you know, want to see what's going on and drive my little weird truck over the bumps and stuff. So, so you then turned it off and did not use anybody else's facilities at any point throughout the game. You did it all on your own. I mean, I guess so. I just, yeah. I, I only played it once. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. uh, did, did you, I don't know. Did you build any highways? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. But you just you did it all us. on your own. Yeah. Wow. You get to a certain point where Guillermo kind of tells you, <laughs> Hey, you know, it, it shows you the path and you yeah. have to collect these resources. I built all those. Cause otherwise that's a, that's a real pain in the ass when you're playing a video game. First of all, you have to enjoy playing it. I've never understood the concept of yeah. grinding. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sure. It's just, you know, I was never able to play any of the uh, the mainline type Pokemon games because the mm. idea of of doing this uh, in a Pokemon environment is annoyingly repetitive rather than, you know, soothing or, or thoughtful or meditative. Yeah. Um, mm, mm -hmm. But the other thing is that, you know, if you go through as fast as possible and you try to, you know, skip ahead and you look up how to do this stuff, uh not just, you know, hey, I'm totally stuck in this game. I need to get over this hump so I can enjoy it more. But to sort yeah. of race through it, you're really uh, not only denying yourself the experience, but you're really creating an awful value proposition when you're talking about mm -hmm. a $60 game. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's, it's interesting to me, though, that you, you didn't find – because some people – find the process of going and getting the materials and building all the roads and everything to be a grind. But it sounds like that wasn't your experience. Basically, the only time when I'm going to play video games is pretty much at the end of the day. You know, I work sure. seven days a week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I wake up and I start on my stuff and I usually go until like a certain point at night. And I kind of have to to turn off my brain and do, uh, you know, watch a horror movie, mm -hmm. watch uh, uh some like pirated tv or whatever and that's kind of when i would play video games mm -hmm. so really uh it, you know excitement and accomplishment and and that kind of stuff is is not something i'm looking to get out of a game necessarily yeah. sure what i want is is sort of a break uh from everything else i'm doing all day long and, you know, in any kind of employment situation, whether you're self-employed or you're working for somebody, you've got uh, achievement and metrics and benchmarks and you've sort of got uh, the standards you have to meet and you also have to keep growing quarter over quarter to make the corporate overlords happy. Yeah. And right. so really uh, just just doing something that is very quietly uh constructive that you can see your progress on uh but which is fun in itself while you're doing it is really what i would be looking for out of any game yeah yeah sure well and i think that's there's something really interesting in that there's there's a a, a type of currency system in this game that doesn't really reflect the way that currency works in any other game because you don't lose any of it you're always making right. that that quiet progress you just get likes because it's playing with this theme again of like the internet and connection it's not this yeah. zero-sum economy of limited specia 
it's just the same as what you get on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. You get likes from people. You can't take any away from anyone. You just gain a little bit each time you make a delivery. And so there are, you know, different nature of likes from the people you deliver to or the the other people who are playing online. If you if you are online Um, and then you can give people likes and it doesn't mean that you lose the ones that you have. The other currency is, of course, resources. Right. Right. The the fact that when you make deliveries to certain places, uh, you get metals or special alloys or ceramics, which are the most important, uh, at least in my most important and rare and rare. We all know that when you're building a road, you need a lot of ceramics. Mm -hmm. That's just how it works in real life for the asphalt. (laughs) Just like I just want to build every single road in this game, including a little uh, time trial track at the Timefall Farm. They feel <laughs> so good to do. Like you build a road, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. it, sometimes you place something and then you put it there and you're like, ah, oh, this wasn't really the right place to do it. I kind of have to do it over. But the roads are kind of in a set spot. And then you yeah. get the machine and it like prints yeah. it out in front of you and it just feels really it's nice. It's a little 3D printer. It, it, like, yeah. really, it sings really a little song for you. It sings and London then, like, Bridge is falling down. The noise yeah. that you get in the way that you see the road expand is so satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, by the way, that London Bridge is falling down is not just a cute reference to the fact that this is the company Bridges, which also yeah. has a, an even shorter part of the melody as its own theme. It's also a reference to the the repeated legend of there being like dead babies in the foundation of London Bridge. Oh, as a reference to oh, like the many years of history and age. Of the bridge itself, which, of course, has been replaced many times. One of them was moved to Arizona, which I'm surprised didn't get a mention since this game just keeps going on about America. But that is <laughs> yeah. at the core, again, of another storytelling concept that Kojima is playing with. Right. Because yeah. we will later learn something about the the bridge babies and mm-hmm. they're not really meant for the purposes that you're using them for. The last little bit that I just want to talk about here in terms of the mechanics that I think that we should cover is sort of the 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 leveling and star system that is you mm-hmm. do more deliveries you will level up which allows sure. Sam to do more things. Yeah, you might unlock uh, different materials or just yeah. get little like customizables and things like that. Yeah. And yep. at each facility you go to, you can unlock uh, a higher and higher star rating, which gives yes. you a closer bond with the person who yep. runs that facility and you both AJ and Brian got all of the stars. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Not worth it, but I did it. I didn't do it the first time I played. I did it the second time I played. You know, advancing the plot and seeing what is going to happen next really became a compelling thing, even as it became yeah. clear to me that, uh, you know, they're kind of using the classic horror movie trope of, you know, the ambiguity is is more mm. frightening yeah. uh, and more realistic than nailing down and, and you know, explicitly world building and like a, a token, J.R.R. <laughs> <Yeah>. Tolkien <laughs> type way yeah. of, you know, here's the map at the beginning of the book and these are elves and they speak like this. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, which is which is really tiresome and also not my cup of tea. In uh, this point in the game, where you're building the roads, also has something fantastic. So you start off the game, you you know, you drive the pickup truck, all this, the baby comes out of your throat and gives you the thumbs up and you're like, <laughs> yeah, what's happening? And then it turns out, you know, you're just delivering, delivering, delivering. You get about to this point where you start building roads in the game, right? Yeah. Literally, like physically connecting America again. Yes. Which is, uh, of course, the whole, uh, the whole conceit of this game. Mm. Uh, and something pops up 
it, when you're in the little base and it's telling you what you have to take where, uh, something pops up and it's like, oh, just so you know, uh, you can just give it to a robot. And so you're like, well, what the fuck? And, you click <laughs> on it and they take your package, the stuff that would have taken you three hours and, you know, walking and slipping and the baby's yelling at you. Yeah. And they put it on a robot and the robot sings a little song and walks out the door. And then later it's like, yeah, it was fine. Like you didn't have to do any of this, <laughs> right. which, is the, which is really the best part. It illustrates. I don't know if this was the point, but to me, it felt like you know, this is the futility of trying to reconstruct something as awful as America. Yeah. And, you know, mm. uh, uh, we live in a capitalist. I'm assuming you guys are all American. Well, we live in the People's Republic of New York City, but yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Under <laughs> under, under uh, Premier Eric Adams, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, I don't want to derail talking about that guy. <laughs> <laughs> but so uh, you know, we we live in this uh, in this nation that's basically governed uh, by this sort of fruitless exponential chase for money. And it, it turns out that really, you know, connecting America and doing all this hard work, this is really just almost a sham because you could have loaded it onto a fucking robot the whole time. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, to me, this really resonated with me in a different way than connecting America because time and time again, all we've shown is that when you connect Americans, they just scam each other. Yeah. yeah. Like that's mm. all that's ever happening, whether it's in the corporate landscape mm. or, or, you know, you get, get two people, uh, you know, the town isn't big enough for both of them, so somebody has to get scammed or get shot, right? <laughs> yeah, right. And so the fact that you could that you could just create jobs by building little robots, and they sing. They're really yeah. nice little robots. Yeah. You could put the same package right on top of them, and they could take the pizza right to Conan O'Brien, right? So I really like that. After you've been ferrying things around, they basically show you, they're like, just so you know, this is all something you have been doing for the act of doing it itself because nobody had to have a person take this to yeah. the doorstep. You could have loaded everything on the robot. Probably the robots could have built the roads. Yeah. And I think this, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if this is an intentional message or just what I got out of it. But it's really sort of building up this very patriotic message with the American yeah. flag and the Americans and the president and then saying none of this is actually necessary. I, I just really like that. Well, yeah, we see the consequences of that, too. With the right? mule. We see what we see what mm -hmm. happens when somebody gets so into package delivery yeah. that it consumes them entirely. And the game at multiple points, if you have been playing it for more than a certain amount of hours, I could never like pin down exactly how many the game the robot voice when you come in to deliver a package will be like, we'll say, rest is advised. Mm. Yeah. It wants you to <laughs> yeah. stop playing the game and go the fuck outside. But it's not going to, like, make you do that in a way that certain other games do. It's just like, you will become a mule. Yeah, this, right? well, this game we is... We should talk about the mules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. this yeah. game is, is having so much fun with these contradictions because as Sam, you are... Yeah, you're connecting everyone. You're putting everyone back on the internet. And the internet is real. It is offering some connections in some way and these people are very very isolated but you never you almost never actually see another person in front of you from any of these places you go to an entire city and they all live in a giant like fortress underground 
with like a holodeck that's just been made to look like the Oval Office so that the president can still feel like she's the president. You know, you're delivering oxytocin to people because their bodies won't produce the hormone anymore. You're produce you're you're delivering like sperm and eggs to people because no one's having sex anymore. And you're you're connecting everyone, but you are the loneliest person in the world, except for this little baby in a tube that you got a hold of. And whenever you get to stay in those places, you are quarantined off from everybody else. And you are going down in this little elevator and staying in these identical looking like pods that just have a shower that you're supposed to shit into. And they'll make little and a ghost table, grenades. And a table with Shit some shower, fucking man. cans of monster energy drink. Yeah. 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 Monsters survive the apocalypse. And, and people it's will really call something. you as holograms, and that's about it. The only real physical interaction you have with other people out in the world is oftentimes with the mules, yep. which are basically like they are people who have been consumed by the lust for packages. They have delivered and, and the- delivered and delivered, and they were replaced by automation and through right. that, that, that drove them insane. Because they're still isolated from the rest of the world. They're the people they're the people who live outside while everyone else lives inside and they can't go back to that world. Right. All they can't they go back inside Plato's cave. All they know how to do is use their phone, deliver hot chip and lie. And that's <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. And this didn't just happen to like one or two people. We're talking like armies of yes. humans yeah, entire living cells. outside. Uh, and they just want to steal your boxes other, and put them into a post box and they just hold on to it. <laughs> yeah, and that's so, it. That's their whole mission. At this point, you know, we have really talked about a ton of different mechanics and we've really introduced almost all of what this game yeah. is doing mechanically. And so in the second half of this episode, we're going to talk about the way that these mechanical elements sort of integrate with the narrative yeah. or oftentimes don't. <laughs> so stay tuned for that in the second half and uh, we'll see you in a moment. Hello? Is this thing on? Sorry. Yeah. Hi. Uh, my name is Graham Sorter Brooker and well, it's my first day as a porter for Fragile Express. I- I've got a delivery to a place called The Wind Farm. I don't know what that is, but it sounds super important. I just I just want to bring people together. I've lived my entire life in an underground bunker, and I felt so disconnected. Everything feels so hopeless, and I think that if I can bring people these packages, I can bring them a little hope, too. I think I'd like that. Plus, apparently, in the outside world, the rainbows aren't just rainbows. They're, like, upside-down rainbows. So intense! So the upside-down rainbows contained invisible goo ghosts that dragged me through their goo to face a giant mass demon dog who tried to eat me and my packages. I asked my supervisor about it, and apparently this happens all the time. How is this a sustainable business model? I managed to escape by kind of just running away, but I damaged the cargo a bit, so when I got to the wind farm, shaking and covered in goo, the man there told me I got a C on my evaluation and that I should probably shower. But that's okay! That was just my first order! I have a really good feeling about this next one. Uh, Apparently, I'm going through an old zoo because I've been told to watch out for mules? But mules are so cuddly! How hard could this possibly be? A bunch of men in yellow jumpsuits electrocuted me and stole my stuff. I woke up fully nude about 30 feet outside their camp. 
I walked back and asked what they did with my stuff, and they just kind of shrugged and said, Stored it. I asked, Why? And they said, Cuz. So I ran them all over with my van. I think this world is changing me. I, I don't think I like it. But I have a new delivery, and it says here that I'm going to Mountain Knot City. No. No. No! I made it to Mountain Knot City, but I got caught up in a timefall snowstorm, and I guess I'm 80 now. So, that's fun. You'd think I'd be angry, but there was a moment when I was standing on top of the highest peak looking out over this barren waste of a country. I, I saw this road, this long and winding road stretching off into the horizon. And in that moment, I saw not a structure, collection of metal and ceramic lumped together by an unfeeling machine, but all the people who built it, who put their blood, sweat, and chiral crystals into making a path not for them, oh no, but for all who would come after, a monument to our ability to create, to help, to hope. Apocalypses might come and go, but that road, that idea, is eternal. Anyway, this'll be my last delivery. Too old now to do any more, I suppose, but I hope, I know, somebody else will pick up where I left off. All I gotta do is put it in the old console here and, wait. What's that sound? Well, that's a very cool motorcycle. Oh no! Uh, ah. This bike is so cool. It should be on ride with Norman Reedus. Oh shit, that guy's dead. We're back and we're continuing on our long, long walk through the world of Death Stranding. We've got a lot of plot to talk about and I'm gonna no, do don't. my best to not <laughs> <laughs> hit all these plot points. Because honestly, this is one of those things, too, where the plot of this game is so broad and so diffuse and goes in so many different directions yeah. that yeah. We, we really can't cover in all part so because in I think Kojima is trying to uh, get through some things that he couldn't get through on two different games that he worked on that he didn't get yes. to get to complete while also introducing new ideas for this game about making deliveries. Well, it, it kind <laughs> yes. of reminds me, honestly, of what we talked about when we covered Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, right? Where sure. Aaron Sorkin was clearly going through it. Mm -hmm. And so he just created this show that has so many weird components to it that don't quite fit. But you still come away from it being like, oh, he was trying to do something very specific here. Now, with that yeah. said, I think that Kojima largely succeeds on many of these things, yes. whereas Studio 60 is a comprehensive failure. But I will be interested to sort of hear your, your all of your opinions as we go through this, because yeah. um, with Fragile, right, we have her whole arc. We have her whole deal. Her whole, She's whole her whole arc is delivered very quickly, too. 
Very quick. It's like, you already know who she is. You know what her deal is. She doesn't appear to be a threat or an enemy or anything. And then all of a sudden people are like, oh, yeah, she bombed this one city. You go to your, like, hotel room thing. And then she's like, no, I didn't bomb that city. And it's like, oh, okay. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> and, then, like, and then as soon as that happens, all you get all these emails from everybody that you've been visiting being like, yeah, I thought she bombed the city, but then she said she didn't. So I don't think she did anymore. Uh this is just great storytelling. Yeah. And, and it, you, yeah. get, you get a couple of like mini stories that it's like, I guess that could have worked, but probably would have just been better if it was peppered throughout. Like you get the junk yeah. dealer and his like dead girlfriend who you immediately learn is not dead. That's and it's that, of course okay. not fragile's fault. And then you have to bring her back to him. And then they like get divorced or whatever. It's yeah. And then it turns then out it, work. And it turns out they, they knew each work. other as children and then forgot that they knew each other as children. <laughs> it's so it it really is a mess. However, I will say I want to I want to save talking about the the chiral artist and that whole arc for a little. I want to save that for another day. <laughs> Uh, because uh, unfortunately it really worked for me. So there's uh, the uh, fragile is also like her main antagonist in this whole thing is this guy named Higgs who we have yes. talked about sort of guy at, with the gold mask, the guy mm-hmm. with the gold mask who is nihilism incarnate. Basically, he le- he leads a terrorist organization that wants to destroy the world because what's the fucking point? We're all going to. Yeah, die. And I, I think the best example of how this works is that that dead body you dealt with at the beginning of this game was essentially a suicide bomber someone who killed himself so that he could be embedded in a city and cause the the void out the the contradiction of the living meeting the dead that then creates a sort of nuclear explosion right also he has nukes even though we've established that dead bodies are nukes anyway (laughs) it would not be a Hideo Kojima game without nukes like it certainly will not and I think I need to talk about the nuclear arsenal (laughs) (laughs) well I and I, I think in a truly a brilliant piece of casting. He has decided to put Troy Baker uh, into the role of Higgs mm-hmm. the, and give and gives a a truly wonderfully hammy performance. And the reason why I think that it is such a brilliant insight into like just the world of like modern gaming is that Troy Baker, we will remember, played a certain protagonist in a uh, video game about the post-apocalypse. Where dead bodies are dangerous. Where dead bodies are dangerous, and one might actually consider to be a pretty nihilistic take on, let's say, humanity. Well, we certainly have. When we talked about The Last of Us, Mm -hmm. we were not on board uh, broadly. No, and I think that this game is in many ways in conversation with The Last of Us. That's interesting. This is a game about an apocalypse that is filled with hope and light and life and trying to actually battle against everything that Neil yeah, Druckmann I, argues I think, for th- in The I Last of Us. I think there's something sort of inherently, I don't know, fascistic is is maybe too strong a word, but about the idea of zombies, about the idea that the sick are going to be a threat to you and so therefore yeah, must yeah. be dealt hmm. with by any means possible. Rather yes. than than applying uh, an angle of compassion, and th- and this game has compassion even for the ghosts, right? Eventually, yeah. you find this right. this way of like sort of alleviating the ghosts' struggle by severing the the umbilical cord, and the ghosts <laughs> give you likes, you know, uh, as opposed right. to like fighting them <laughs> and killing well, them. The, yeah, and, yeah, exactly. You're not you're not yeah. killing the ghosts. You are helping them leave this plane because yeah. honestly, 
they don't want to be here in the no. first place. If it were up for them, the stranding never would have happened. The idea of zombies as a trope, and and it seems like it's on the decline now. But there was about a decade where zombies were just really the thing between uh, 28, 28 days later mm-hmm. uh, and all these, uh, you know, uh, Shaun of the Dead and yeah. these sort of zombie movies. A lot of kung fu in those, I will say. <laughs> yeah. Especially Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. Yeah. And then moving moving through, you know, The Walking Dead is an obvious comparison Starring here. For Norman, Norman, of course. Yeah. Of course. For obvious reasons. Yeah. Because ultimately the idea about the zombie narrative is class-based. Mm. And so this is like a very uh, neoliberal, I don't want to get too far into politics, sure, but this sure. is really a neoliberal uh, sort of viewpoint, which is that there's an there's an underclass in the world, and if we can just keep them away, then the good people will will prosper. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, and uh, I do like that the bent in this is not so much zombies as it is, like you said, uh, Josh, the uh, the beached things that uh, that would rather just exist where they're supposed to be instead of being trapped right. in this existence. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't know, uh, you know, what kind of theology we're tapping into here, but I really like the idea of, uh, you know, if not an afterlife, then then there being uh this sort of better place where everybody is and ultimately look if you live in a world where you have to eat worms and you can't get wet and nobody can touch you like the fucking rules from gremlins right (laughs) (laughs) yeah what you want is i mean you really do sympathize with the guy who just waxed himself and he's like fuck it yeah right yeah i mean really fuck it everything's everything's ruined and humans we've gotten to the point where humans don't fit in the biosphere anymore Mm -hmm. right and that is of course you know what a lot of people on earth in 2023 think is that you know maybe humans aren't supposed to be here but i like the idea of uh you know, respecting the dead and finding a place for the dead and just saying, look, we're we're going to carve out our biosphere here. But this is really if we're respecting the dead and we're allowing people to return to this global consciousness, which is, you know, the idea of returning to the essence or being uh, being on the great wheel or, or mm-hmm. going through samsara so that you can uh, have more suffering later as a treat, <laughs> depending on you know, what, your, what your theology is, uh, it, it really, again, rejects this sort of capitalist notion that, you know, our, our goal is to maximize profit. Yeah. yeah. I really, yeah. I like that. I think that adds to the vibe of the game in a positive way. I, I, I wanted to pull it back to zombies again, too, for a moment, because there are zombies in this game as well. But they are what they are is they are the memories of, of soldiers that the oh, character sure. of Unger fought with, Mads Mikkelsen. Yes. Because yes. that's another character who comes into so play to, here. So talk about Mads Mikkelsen for a moment here. Um, TV's yes, Hannibal, please. of course. Yes, please. Uh, Come a on, fantastic AJ. Danish song and dance man. You know, he was he was a, mm-hmm. a theatrical star who became a, a movie star and plays very sinister men in, in just about anything he does in English. You get these things. There's, there's a concern because Sam is... One, a repatriate, someone who, when he dies, can come back 
two has dooms where he like senses ghosts to some degree. Um, hooking him up then to a BB, which is usually a tool for someone who doesn't have those things going on, could cause yeah. some sort of feedback loop where then Sam can see the BB's thoughts and memories as his own. Right. It can create another yes. sort of, you know, time space contradiction thing that they're worried about and they don't know what that'll do. Oftentimes when Sam goes down into one of his private quarters, uh, he'll he'll have a dream, mm -hmm. basically, or, or a memory, a sense memory that seems to be of the BB itself. Yeah. Uh, remembering what it was like when Mads Mikkelsen's character, Clifford Unger, was taking care of it. We, we really can't talk about the whole plot here because it's way too convoluted, honestly. Yeah. But yeah. what you really need to know is the father is of that, a BB. And so exactly. these memories are coming from the tank. And Clifford yes. Unger is, is a war veteran who was in Afghanistan and Iraq. So we get a slight timetable of when the death stranding, when the apocalypse happened, because that right. this is a guy who's like a little bit older, but could be our age or maybe 10 years older right. or something like that. The game turns from being a walking simulator into the most annoying corridor shooter you yeah, have ever played in your life. It becomes a shooter. You just have to shoot yeah. guns all we of do, a sudden when you're just delivering packages and driving and motorcycles. So you're, shooting, you're shooting guns we do a at all of your Mads Mikkels. But it's like not nearly as tight as no. Metal Gear Solid 5. N what no. you're doing though is you, yeah, you are sh going into this like strange sense memory place that belongs to Clifford. And it is a beach. Are, it is a version it's of a beach. beach. It's a beach. Sure, and the beach yeah. is the place where we're transmitted the memories of whatever the fuck. And yeah. um, ultimately it comes down to, you have to kill all of Mads Mikkelsen's like troop zombies yeah. that he leads around like on fucking chains. And then eventually yeah. you eliminate the memory essentially yeah. of it's, it's a Clifford Unger himself. It's a cat and mouse game where you're hunting for him. He's hunting for you. And this happens three yeah. times, none right. of which include the wars that he fought in. It's World <laughs> yeah. War One, World War Two, And wow, I just really am trying to figure out all this Metal Gear <laughs> stuff I couldn't get in the last game, Vietnam. And, and it sure does happen. And Drew, you said you don't want to play a game where you have to shoot guys. So I'm yeah. curious to hear what you thought about these segments. As a, a person who, who owns a PlayStation, I can complete a shooting game. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it takes yeah. me a few, you know, you got to do it a few times because they got the guys that come around the corner yeah, and you got to right. know where they're. Some of them have rocket launchers, which is very unfair in trench warfare, frankly. <laughs> this is one thing I will say is this is where the PC version has a clear advantage because controlling the shooty parts is so much easier on mouse. keyboard and mouse yeah. than it is on a controller. Like, yeah, also so just, much easier. Just lower the difficulty, too. I played yeah, it, just I drop played it down this on hard. Easy, yeah. Just try for the for the shooting sections. Just drop it down to easy. It's it's it's, it's a really just a waste. I mean, if of you time, like the otherwise. shooter sections, good for you. But like, get out of my game, please. I think uh, it would be great if we really just forced this on everybody else. <laughs> if we just top seat turned it, you know, you take uh, advanced Call of Duty or whatever, and you inject a section in it where you have to do like Sokoban, you know, where the, guy pushes <laughs> the boxes around and you have to like not get trapped. Yeah, just like put a classic Japanese puzzle game in there, and they're like, "If you want to shoot more, you're gonna have to solve this." I think so. This is this is Brian's little theories about about mm. this studio's creative process. Kojima, sure. I think, was talking to celebrity friends and being like, "Hey, I want you to do something. I don't know exactly what it's gonna be, but we're gonna work on something." And he, and he whips up an idea, and they get the the studio all ready to do that. 
and doesn't know exactly where it's going to go in the game yet. And this was an early trailer, too. Like, this might have been the second trailer was the beginning of the World War II section. And you just see right. and, and you can see it. They haven't restaged it because Guillermo del Toro walks onto the camera holding the BB, looks straight out at the camera to just be like, hey, look, it's Guillermo del Toro in this game mm. and then runs <laughs> yeah. under the thing. And you have these really beautiful, like weird, creepy, kind of kinky cut scenes with Clifford Unger and he's crying yeah. oil and he's in this spider web of barbed wire and it's very like BDSM. And yeah. you have these tanks that are made out of like whale blubber and tentacles and viscera. Um, mm -hmm. And AJ, it's, stop. It's, <laughs> stop. <laughs> Don't worry about it, Brian. Can you can you talk a little slower? Please? And I mean, like, it's cool. It's cool stuff. And the imagery is really creepy outside of the context. And then in the context, you're like, well, OK, so, the, yeah, you know, Dead Man was just at a cabin somewhere. It, on yeah, the mountain. It, it, got, it doesn't really fit. Yeah, it's like, just it's like, cool, why am but it I fighting wars fit. now? They, they're all kind of loaded at the back end of the game. They're not paced sort of evenly throughout the game. Right. And so you're yeah. just like, oh, OK. So like the last two are pretty close together when you're when you're playing it all. Yeah, and it's just it's yeah. just strange. It's just very weird. And the game gives you guns in the main game. But again, no reasonable person is going to want to kill anyone on the no. field because it's a bigger inconvenience at the end of the day. You have to deliver right. your packages and you don't want to have to, like, deliver dead bodies. They do give you, like, a riot shotgun and stuff like that, though. Yeah, so you, you can get, use non-lethal non ammunition why on the mules. guns anyway? They came up right. with these interesting little tools. The oh. stealth wasn't great, but, like, you have the bola gun. You have, like, these Love little... Yes, gun. the bola gun is so cool. You have, cool. like, a little, like, yeah. smoke. You have, you have decoy cargo that you can drop and yes. they'll pick it up and knock themselves out. That's really cool. Yeah. And you it can has, give them little electroshocks too. Yeah, and it doesn't like, feel. I mean, right. it, yeah, you get the taser and the director's cut. You carry a strand yeah. around with you because it's yes. a strand type it's game, all, and you can use the strand to bind them. It's like you're just shooting bolas of strands. Right. It's string. It's brilliant. It's so smart, and no other it's game cool. has this. Cool. And, then he, and then he just throws in guns. <laughs> they could have left the guns in the war parts and not brought them into yeah. the main part. Or, totally or even not, if they wanted the war parts, if they just really needed that, find a way to, to do the war parts without the guns. Because you are not that guy. You're not a shooter guy. You're a delivery man. It creates dissonance between the core gameplay loop and the narrative, right? Because so much of the narrative is about strands and connections and all of this stuff. And then it's like, Oh, you can go into a camp full of guys and just blast them away with a non with a non-lethal or yeah. even lethal shotgun. It's very frustrating. Yeah. I liked the mechanic of going in, you know, when you get to the point where it's like in Fallout where you see a raider uh -huh. and the raider's name is in red yeah. and the game tells you immediately it's like this is your enemy and I'm like but that guy's just like me. Uh -huh. I mean, I'm I customized mm. my guy so my guy looks weird, but he's just like me. And he's doing the same shit I'm doing, which is going around and stealing shit. Yeah. Like, I don't think he's my enemy. And I, I felt the same way about the mules. Like, if you go around and you want to live on the land and you want to steal from corporations, I think that's okay. I just chose the cop method when I went into the the mule camp, which is when there was trouble, I just ran away. Mm. Mm. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, I hit every mule with my van. Uh, that was my strategy. <laughs> you used a different cop strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, doing, yes, doing a did. pit maneuver on some pedestrians. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but it's actually very effective. If you're having trouble with mule camps, just ride a motorcycle and hit them. It knock. It doesn't kill them unless you're like going full speed. It just knocks them all out, and they have no defense against it uh, so, if you drive well enough. 
I, I also want to talk about uh, Mama, who is another character that yes. we come across in this game, because yes. she is in many ways. Her story is, uh, to me personally, one of the most. This is this is where, where you get a small yeah. story that I think really works, because this section is, I think, where all the mechanics come to in, in the opposite of the war thing. All the mechanics come together mm. in such a beautiful way. So you meet this yeah. woman, Mama, who's been kind of messaging with you the whole time. She's on the little hologram, but you don't see her fully animated. Um, She's yeah. also a specific kind of type of character that Kojima has in all of his games, which is like the a cool woman. lady who yeah. invents things. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, yes. Uh, she's played by Margaret Qualley, who has very distinctive teeth. And the, and the game has difficulty rendering teeth in the motion capture process, but really wants to capture those teeth because hers are so distinctive. Yeah. Um, and it, it yeah. just ends up looking quite odd that'll be another thing maybe to work on in yeah we have too. these characters <laughs> yeah. that exist sort of on the edge of normal human experience for instance dead man is this guy who was like grown in a lab and he has a bunch right. of the organs of corpses so he's a frankenstein monster so he doesn't have a soul but he has a body so when and that again he, yes. is guillermo del toro yeah, guillermo del toro slash lefou and right. and it's 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 actually like that's the performance too yeah. right it is his appearance, but it's a different actor yeah. portraying. Yeah, him. right. Right. And so he is a literal Frankenstein. Right. Which is also true of like 12 other characters. But <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. That's yeah, where there's, kind there's of, Hartman. Yeah. We'll get to him a little bit later. But like he um, is constantly having heart attacks and being defibrillated so that he can look at the beach and, and try to find his dead wife and child. Um, you So yeah. all these characters kind of have different relationships with the afterlife. Of course, Sam can just die and come back. Right. And and yep. fragile can use the beach in a way to teleport. She can just sort of cross over slightly into the other side and then come back. So Mama or Malingan, she was a victim of one of the terrorist attacks and she was in a hospital waiting for a, a cesarean section uh, when the hospital gets bombed or when the whole place gets bombed in the hospital, of course, being part of it. The whole building collapses on her. She survives mm -mm -mm -mm, and the baby does not. But she is still linked to that BT child. It hasn't created a void out situation. Um, it's something yeah. different, but she can't leave the the wreckage of that hospital and has built sort of a lab in in the, the heap of rubble. There is really a, a sense and that I think the intended audience for games is definitely a very narrow envelope yeah. and i know a couple of you've brought it up already that hey there's this character where uh you know unlike all unlike most video games there's a woman who has a job and a personality <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. should not that should not be a high bar to yeah. get over and yet it is it still is in 2023 yeah and i think in terms of like relating that back to like fragile her whole arc eventually you find out is just that she was like tortured by a man and had to run right. nude through the time fall. So her body face down has, has wrinkled and become old. And so she covers all of that up. Yeah, I have uh, I have a lot of thoughts on, <laughs> on that and yeah. uh, whether or not that is relevant or whether or not that is something that reinforces. I think it takes away from the message yeah. 
to have a character where you say, okay, this character uh, is a scientist. This character is very smart. This one's a girl. This one like has all this specialized knowledge. Here's a second girl. <laughs> and I mean, it's right. a, it's just a persistent problem. In my notes, many times I referred to fragile as quiet because I thought of the character quiet in metal gear solid five, who is oh, like sure. equally moronic in so many ways where she like can't talk because of, her trauma and she doesn't wear any clothes because it makes her stronger. <laughs> it's like, all right, buddy. Yeah, and it's okay. like, I mean, you know, Kojima obviously likes his nude men as well, so I'll give him some points, but uh, noted yeah. bisexual icon. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, all of these games are, you yeah. know, they're about the nuclear arsenal, they're about loneliness, they're about um, gender and Becoming fatherhood. Nude. But what they're really about is that Kojima is figuring out slowly over time that he's bisexual. And, <laughs> and good yes. for him, honestly. Good for him. Yeah. We, we, we appreciate and, it. Oh, and speaking of another thing that he's relitigating in this game, Clifford Unger, last name. Unger means Hungarian in German. Mm. The villain of Metal Gear Solid 5 is Skullface, who is a character from Transylvania who over the many years that Transylvania was conquered by the Germans and then taken by the Romanians and everything else, he has lost the ability to speak Hungarian. And that is his entire driving impulse. So again, Kojima is like, I still got to get something about Skullface in here. There's still something <laughs> bothering me about this. And I got to just throw it in. Yeah. Thank God he didn't have another Navajo character. But um, so <laughs> I, well, I, want, I want to I want to pull this forward yeah. a little bit now. So um, so yeah. So what this so what this does, what this mission with Malingan does is it yeah. turns it takes you to another corner of the map. You go back up and around the the northern end of this mountain range where you have to pick up an antimatter bomb. Doesn't really matter what it is, just like a thing that it is antimatters that fact. is so delicate oh, yeah. that if it gets hit, it's not like you die, you get a game over and you have to go back to the last save. So it's really yeah. really high stakes. And you get this path from this northern facility over to Mountain Knot City, where this thing has to be delivered. Not a very far distance. The area all around you is kind of this flat marshland. There's some rivers. They're not very deep. You're just walking. When I started it, there was actually a zip line right there the first time I played, and I got to go a very good distance just on that zip line. But of course, once yeah. you get past that point on the map and you haven't opened up the network in a new place, you don't get zip lines or anything like that. You go and then you're like, oh, there's some mules. Now it, behind the mountains, the mules have have guns and they kill you. Yeah, they've leveled and up. And so basically. if they shoot your yeah. your the this bomb that you're carrying on your back, game over, go back to the last save. You have to start this whole delivery again. So yeah. you're just like, okay, this this game is just I guess you could go through them. You could be crazy, you could be a legend and 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 play it that way, or go around the mountain another way, but you're likely not going to do that. I certainly didn't do it both times I played. You just look yeah. and you're like, oh, I, okay, so I can avoid them by going around their territory. I'm going to go up this mountain mm -hmm. a bit. And you realize you have to keep going up this mountain even more. Yeah. yeah. And you have to mm -hmm. keep going and up and keep going up and keep going up. And now it's you've, you're encountering snow for the first time. So you're, you're, you're doing something that you've done to a small degree this whole game, but never... Never this much where you're making a mental map of what yeah. what areas are too steep. What areas have the outcroppings that I can kind of ease myself onto? You don't want to take a risk where you fall down. 
because again, you're going to go back a ways and you don't want to lose that progress. And of course, if you fall on your back, you destroy the bomb yeah. and then it's game over. It's actually a little less sensitive than you might think, but it's 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 put the fear of Christ into you. You're not going to yes. do it. And so you're not going <laughs> to want to take these risks. And so you have this um, mechanic where you have sort of an active and passive stamina and your passive stamina will decrease slowly while your active stamina decreases quickly and then you can stop it'll come back but the passive will stay down until you drink a monster energy drink <laughs> mm -hmm. and then you have an upper limit which will cut off how high even the monster energy drink is going to help you so the longer right. you're out there especially when you're in the snow and in the cold the more that 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 thing is going to keep dropping down. So you're going to have to stop and rest. Do something that you maybe didn't do since the tutorial told you to do it at the right. very, very beginning of the game. And it's not going to help you that much because you're cold. It's such a strange like you're you're going off of like little slivers of energy by the end. There's a point where the the this second time that I played it. It might have happened the first time, too, but this is why I remember because I just did it. I ended up at a at a shelter for a prepper that I had no deliveries for. So there's nothing that interacts with you there. But I used that right. shelter to just be able to press the rest button and sit there for a couple. You just have oh, to sure. leave him sitting there for a couple minutes to get a little tiny bit of energy back and like press square to massage your legs and stuff. As soon as I completed it, you know, I told all my friends about it. Yeah. And I think my first my first friend to come over to the house uh, after I finished playing Death Stranding, I think I gave her the game. <laughs> I said, you know, you've got a you got a PS4 and I was telling her about it. And she says, oh, it sounds great. I'll find it. And I was like, why? Well, I beat it. Here you go. Uh, <laughs> but like half of my memory of playing the game is walking up the snowy mountain. Yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah. just sort of like you just keep trying to walk until you get across. You just you, you're not actually cold walking in deep snow. Uh, in real life is pretty tiring, yeah. you know, because you're you're almost marching. You have to bring your feet straight up and down. Otherwise, it's like you're trying to wade through water, which is like uh, uh, yeah. almost like uh, walking on an elliptical or mm -hmm. something that's really heavy duty. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure I, I did the classic move of like pressing pause and just turning my TV off yeah. and coming back the next day. I think, uh, <laughs> you know, there's always, there's always that moment, especially when you put down a game and, you know, you come back to it days, weeks, months later sometimes, uh, which I know I did with uh, with one of the old Grand Thefts on PS2, sure. like uh, <laughs> sure, yeah, Vice City or something. Yeah. Uh, you're like, okay, well, shit, I haven't played Vice City in forever. You stick the disc in, you get it all booted up, and it's like you're on this mission that takes you like 45 minutes, and if you if you don't get it, you have to completely redo it, and you're like, ah, now I yeah, see, I yeah. remember. All you had yeah, to do is follow yeah. the damn train, CJ. Yeah, <laughs> Right, yeah. I remember why I put this yeah. down. But, you know, you eventually make it across the mountain. Yeah, this is That's so yeah. compelling. I mean, it really, like, mm -hmm. you, you've, because it lulls you for a while into just being like, oh yeah, I'll just get up this mountain a little bit, get around the mules and whatever, then you're just in it, and you're like, I can't, I'm not stopping now. I got to keep I got to keep going. Mm -hmm. I got to do yeah. this. So this is wild to me because you can go around the mules and through the mountain to Mount Knot City. But you can also go around another way yeah. uh, and through the marshes. 
mm. that I've done both times. I and you I, did a I different actually, thing. Listening, listening to you all going through the mountains, I would be like, that would I would I would walk away from the game <laughs> because the snow is so deep and because it's so treacherous and scary to go because that's the shortest distance. That makes right. the most sense. I went the most roundabout way possible. Mm. But yeah, no, I, I when I got to Mountain Not City, that's when I looked up at the mountains and went, oh, no, I have to climb those. <laughs> This is what the a boss fight is in a game that's about delivering packages yes. to different places yeah. in a in an, a largely empty world. This is what a boss fight. Unfortunately, this game also has boss fights where you're in Vietnam for some reason. But uh, <laughs> or also there's just giant yeah. squid monsters, yeah. you know, yeah. that you have to throw grenades at. I think we're trained by video games to like want to go up. That was yeah. like the default mm. yeah. set in the 80s by Mario. Yeah. Other platformers, you always mm. want to take, you know, the top route because yeah. then you have the most options because you can always fall. Mm -hmm. You can never jump as high as you would like in a lot of scenarios. And all the good right. shit is up. All the yeah. good shit is up on the roof of Mario, right? Right. Yeah. That's what people do when they play Skyrim. You can't really climb, but they're just going to do it anyway. Or like in Legend of Zelda, you go to the top of the mountain and then you yeah. fly to the next spot in the latest games. Regardless of whether or not you go through the mountains yeah. to get to Lake Knot City, once you get there, you are going to have to go through the mountains, you whether nothing. you like it or not. They give because you dog. They, is she, the, the, so you meet Lochna, the, the yeah. I don't know, mayor of the mountain city. And she's like, yeah, we yeah. don't want to join the network. I don't care about you. Thank you for delivering the package. And then Deadman shows up and, and, and is like looking for this surprise. Fragile warped me here. I finally got to visit the beach. Well, her beach. Don't worry. I didn't come all this way for the sightseeing. Your beloved BB has a serious issue. Dead man takes away your fucking BB. There's this moment where you have your little room. Once you've made your way sort of back down the mountain, when Sam goes and checks on the BB, he says Lou. The first time you hear yes. this name, and for the rest of the game, it no longer says BB is happy. BB, you know, needs to be covered, it, it, uh, comforted. It says Lou needs this. Lou feels this way. Right. You know, links back. It, it turns out that that Sam had a son named Lou that died, and you know, had a wife right. that died, and that was who was in this like picture that you saw a long time ago. But yeah, now now we're we're making we're, there there are these more complications that are all coming from the fact that this BB is being used longer than it needs to be used. Uh, you know, there's just like the fact that this baby is aging and, right. uh, you know, the chiral network is becoming so dense, like connecting everyone might not be the right thing to be doing because it's yeah. causing a lot of weird things to happen. And part of the reason why Dead Man is holding on to this BB, too, is that he has discovered that he actually cares about something. He cares about the BB right. in the same way that Sam does. Sam, who has nobody else, yep. has made this connection with this child. And so has so has Dead Man. Like, yeah, we have to take your baby away because your baby is not doing its job. And yeah. yeah, the baby is not delivering yeah. shareholder value anymore. <laughs> yeah, it, it forces you to confront the fact that, yeah, you know, a world where a baby has a job, obviously, uh, again, this is a really bad world. Yeah. yeah. Well, and yeah. like as a yeah. delivery man, as as a as an essential worker, if you will. 
You have no agency. You don't get to choose whether you're wearing right. the cuffs that, that give you the internet hookup. You don't get to choose whether they drain your blood or not. They're going to do it every single night because now it's valuable to everybody else so they can get rid of BTs. Mm-hmm, yeah. You don't get to choose if you can hold on to the baby that you've been taking care of for the last 30 hours. They just take it from you because you are too important to be able to make decisions about yourself. They have to keep yeah. complete control over you and keep you working the whole time. Your literal shit does not belong to you. <laughs> you know, I found out that I had uh, my blood type was O. Mm. Oh, which is yeah. The universal donor blood right. type. Uh, I hadn't given blood for many years. Um, I went a few years ago. There's like the uh, libraries having a blood drive in the basement. Uh, and so I go and I give my blood. And like exactly six weeks later, like to the second, I get an email mm. and a call from the Red Cross. And they're like, hey, do you want to come back? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why? They're like, well, you everybody can use your blood. And I could not get away from the Red sure. Cross. And I uh, they lost track of me at some point. Oh, that's uh, why you moved to the mountains. OK, got yeah, it. Yeah, that's <laughs> why you're in Vermont. <laughs> I, I really hope that this isn't the way the Red Cross finds you again. Yeah. <laughs> If you've ever been to college, yeah, yeah. Your, alumni, your alumni association, that's the funniest thing there. You know, you have to pay them to go to school there and then they keep peppering you and they're like, pay us more. And it's like, you know, that like the whole student <laughs> loan system is like the the you know, this incredible barrier on the ladder of class mobility in America, and it's keeping us all in our place. And you want extra money for free because I used to pay you? (laughs) Just the the most psychotic thing. And yet people, (laughs) it must work or they wouldn't send the mail out. Right. The Alumni Association at my college, because when we were graduating, there was like a piece of paper that was like, where do you think you're going to live? Where's your exact address (laughs) and what job do you think you're going to do? And I didn't I just didn't fill it out. I just didn't give them any of that information. And then I got a call two years later from a theater company that I worked with doing summer stock after graduating. And they were like, we keep getting mail for you from from Calvin College, from the Alumni Association. That's awesome. Wow, yeah. they tracked you like I had down. to call them up and I and I was telling them to, you know, uh, not send it. And they were like, is this your number? And I was like, no, I'm using someone else's number. Don't text me. <laughs> I'm on the I'm on the burner right yeah, now. Yeah. I did the breaking bad. You know, I snapped better call Saul, yeah, it with the trash. Trash. And look, look, I don't I wouldn't mind giving to alumni uh, uh, associations. I really wouldn't if I knew that that money was going actually towards the students. Do you know what I mean? Right. But it, but it's especially not. having gone to NYU, which is basically a real yeah, estate scam disguised university. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, th- that's basically if I get money to the alumni association, they're like pillaging land in Tel Aviv. Like it's not, it's yeah. not yes. for them. And that's also, I think, one of the things I actually genuinely <sighs> love about Death yeah. Stranding is that it is a game where every action that you take when you are playing in the online mode, every zip line that you build every bridge that you build is not just for your convenience it is actually to make the game easier for everybody else it is to 
go on this trek collectively together towards this bright, brighter, hopefully, future. Even though the tagline for Death Stranding 2 is, was connecting a bad idea, basically. <laughs> well, it, it's Should interesting, we right? Connect- because yeah, that's you, you've, got, you've got really two things that are almost... That, that feel in conflict with yeah. each other, honestly. That yeah. on the one hand, you've got all of the stuff that you've been talking about, Drew, about like, you know, the commoditization of everything in the way that mm-hmm. any and every resource can be used as a monetizable asset. But then on the other hand, you have sort of this techno utopianism. Mm-hmm. You have this idea of like, if we could just give each other more likes, yeah. everything would be okay. And I feel like this all comes together in a really interesting way when we get to the story of Hartman, mm-hmm. uh, who, who we mentioned yeah. earlier. You've only seen him remotely up until this point. And when yeah. you meet him, you find that every 21 minutes he dies. And after three minutes, he is once again resuscitated. Yeah. And he talks to you a little bit about like what his condition is and how he feels. I see myself in that crater, my wife and my child. It's like looking at the shape of my heart. The doctors called it myocardial cordophonia. Mine is an especially unusual case. I have pictures. Care to see Hartman's heart-shaped heart? Uh, this the, again. This is a, I love this fucking game. I love this fucking game so fucking much. So this is being played. I mean, what you're hearing at home. Uh, all of you listen to this at home in your homes in yeah. your home theaters. Right. Uh, Understand is, yeah. is a British mm-hmm. actor named Darren Jacobs. Uh, but the body is once again scanned as one of uh, Kojima's celebrity friends. It's it's Nicholas Wendig Refn. <laughs> right. Yes. Winding Refn. I always say Wendig. It's Winding uh, Refn, the uh, the director of Drive. Yes. And the the thing that's so interesting to me about Hartman is that his whole mission, like he doesn't need to stick around. He just wants to yeah. because he's got advanced research that he still wants to do about these beaches. And he has this heart condition, much like uh, Bob Hoskins. Hoskins <laughs> yeah. That, that, uh, the ghost is, of Denzel Washington is, heart, exactly. is haunting Hartman's heart. Um, is basically, you know, he 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 sees that he has this thing that he can provide. But what's so interesting is the way that then Bridges has set him up with this extremely like plush yeah, no set of other, living quarters. Most places are kind of cookie cutter in this game, like right. physical places. They're like they're built from a kit. There's one kind of place that preppers live at. There's one kind of place that, you know, like the gateway to a city is going to look like one kind of place for a, a relay station. But this is a totally center, unique yeah. facility. And this yeah. is because Hartman's condition is uniquely advantageous to Bridges. Mm-hmm. And so they are willing to invest in him specifically because they believe that his research will bring them closer to solving the mystery of the Death Stranding. You know, he is still kind of aching for the world that used to exist, you know, before the void outs, yeah. before the Death Stranding. And you yeah. you don't blame him, but you've got the obvious contrast with with Sam Porter Bridges in that Sam is just moving on. He's just going to eat the worm and he's going to live in the pod. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Going to move forward yeah. with his life. Yeah. And yeah. It's it's really sort of portraying this contrast. And yeah, Hartman has, you know, he has things to offer the world, but he is so consumed with what could have been. And he's so consumed with looking into the past that it's not enabling him to be very constructive for himself or for humanity. Mm-hmm. 
because ultimately living in the past is not ever going to be fulfilling to anyone. Mm -hmm. He's a tragic figure, but I think what we're building toward here is that he, he's got gifts that he could give to the world that would be fulfilling to him, not in a capitalist way, but in a human way, yeah. right? Where he could be, you know, helping other people. And he does help Sam to some extent, but he is so consumed with, you know, his life before the death stranding that whatever he does, it happens at 21 minute intervals because he has to die for a second and go fuck around in the afterlife. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, and it's wholly selfish, and I think that's a very interesting allegory. And for those three minutes that he is in the afterlife, he's just like, hey, can you just, like, sit there for a minute and wait for me to come back? Yeah. And you sit there for three minutes, and you yeah. use the mechanic that they built for, for PT. PT. You don't touch to, things, you don't walk around, you zoom in on things, and then they respond to you. That's from PT. This and that's from PT? How, yeah. I didn't yeah. know that. And that's how you get the likes. Yeah. And you oh. get, and depending on what you look at and how specific or small it is, you get more and more <laughs> likes for it. Very Hartman is thing. sort of the arbiter of the likes. Like, it is interesting that you call likes currency, because he is in the fanciest house, yeah. and he is the one who... Is able to give you the most collective likes at any one given mm. time. Like he is, he knows the score. The rich he knows the score. In this. Yeah. He's the arbiter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> From square one, he's watching all sixty-four before dying of a heart attack. <laughs> so I, I, I mean, that's really kind of all I want to talk about yeah. with regard to Hartman. Just that it's an interesting little detour because from here now we are really barreling well, through. Yeah, and again, it's, the it's part of, of that. Game. Like we have these people with different relationships to. Uh, the beach right with 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 yeah. mama it turns out that she actually did die in that explosion along with the child mm -hmm. and when you sever the connection she's finally able to embrace it but like her body kind of stays there for some bullshit reasons who cares it's kind of it's just like this is it's like fully into like magical realism territory at this right. point and, and, and the thing is yeah. too like again the, it none of the shit really matters yeah. like but but they are so obsessed with like explaining the yeah. exact reasons that but, everything is happening and this is where it starts to get yeah frustrating and it's like it's not as because, fun because like i don't care no. about I, I mean i do like the idea of a fossil with an umbilical cord for some reason like it's just like oh it's a shellfish but it has an umbilical cord who cares but like again just don't explain yeah. it like, I, right. I love the parts where Malingan is like, do you remember being inside the womb? I do. I remember being there with my twin sister and then kind of she and the twin sister become the same person. And it's just like, right. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't need to no. be explained. And, it, but and it's, it's so wonderful when it's not. Um, so before you go to California, when you get to the gateway that's going to bring you to California, you are given this delivery that you go to these little like scientists in the mountains and they give you a last thing that you have to deliver down to this spot. What is this spot on your map? A cross. And when you oh, get yes. down there, there's this cross that's formed from like an intersection that's been ripped apart right. by, by a void out. And you deliver something and you bring it there. Much like, perhaps, much like, it's, it's interesting mm. to have this mm. pilgrim, maybe, this man who has learned uh, some yeah. facts yeah. and learned difficulties about the world and realized that he's carrying a burden on his back that will be relieved by the cross that he reaches mm. on his way to a perhaps celestial city. Is this John you nodding over there? You, you know about the Lord. Century masterpiece <laughs> of Protestant allegorical fiction, Pilgrim's Progress. Well, no, it's not, but it's very similar. 
<laughs> yeah, here's the thing. I was like, I was playing through the game and I said, you know, actually, I'm seeing a lot of the Inferno yeah. here. I think this is sort of a very interesting thing. And then Brian reached no. through the Zoom screen, <laughs> grabbed me by the lapels and said, it's Pilgrim's Progress. It's basically Bunyan was the made his own Inferno. And his Inferno was the Protestant one where all the Catholics go to hell and yeah. then C.S. Lewis read Correct. that and he was like, I need to write something that's just exactly this for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so but yeah, you get yeeted across the tar belt. Yeah. You do. Which is you do. Very, which I think is a very cool mechanic because it doesn't tell you what to do. It's just and then like you do a boss rush. You just fight a thousand yeah. yep. bosses. And the yeah. final time that you fight Higgs out of the three times uh, is pretty much just a direct callback to the end of MGS4. Yeah. Uh, yeah. where you're fighting mono a mono yeah, and now he's relitigating games above. that he did finish it's a mess <laughs> <laughs> i mean i like that it it's actually uses the mechanics that you've had where you can punch someone or you can punch them harder if you're holding a crate but i think i think on some level what's going on here is yes he's relitigating certain scores but he is also attempting to sort of satirize in some way shape or form the nature of games sure, and yeah, the way yeah. that games come to an end yeah because we get this after <laughs> after after the third fight after you finally defeated higgs for real uh you, we, we get this corny ass fucking cutscene. you didn't care about america or bridges <sighs> but we did know one thing you did care about hmm. something you were willing to cross a continent for okay what's that a reason to build the uca What's that? America. It was Die Hard Man's idea. Great. So I'm Mario and you're Princess Peach. <laughs> Are you right? I never gave a shit about this country. I have no ties to anything or anyone but you. I know you have questions, but can you save them for after? Sure. Because don't worry, we'll get two hours of cutscenes. How do we do it, do we? Jump like fragile. No, the beach goes the whole way. We run together. Run? Yeah, like Mario and Princess Beach. <laughs> Princess yes! Beach. AJ, yes! I know you have some thoughts about this. <laughs> oh, oh, I love it so goddamn much. What? Hey, y'all, question. What's the first song we hear in Death Stranding? Uh, Don't Be So Serious. Yeah. It sure the fuck is. Anyone out there who's like, oh, this is so corny. It was like taking itself so seriously. No, was it? From the word go, it was telling you what it was going to be. Yeah. Which is not so fucking serious. Well, it also, I don't. I think it's no coincidence, AJ, that you enjoyed this the most and you have played the most square RPGs. Genuinely. Mm. This is sure. straight up a send up of the kind of shit they do in Final Fantasy X. And yeah, King they do this gay little oh, scamper yeah. down the beach and it's like, yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> like it's literally yeah. as if he were teaching uh, Norman Reedus how to oh, laugh. Yes. Norman you know, like, Tidus? Nor- oh! Yeah. No, oh. it's not. I really I'm love the part of, of Death Stranding where you had to play uh, rugby underwater. Yeah. There's been some recent disclosures as far as unidentified flying objects sure so it turns yeah. out that we've identified a bunch of the flying objects and they're fucking aliens like, in a nutshell mm. so all these senators and everything are mad but here's why they're mad they're mad because apparently 
these non-human crafts have turned off the nuclear weapons and they're mad because if they wanted to, they couldn't nuke somebody. Ah. This is why all of the senators and representatives and, uh, you know, all these other people that are involved in this UFO shit, this is why they're mad. It's not because they're like they want the E.T. moment where you yeah. touch the alien's finger. They don't want the close encounters of the third kind where you walk onto the alien spaceship. They're just mad that they can't nuke people. And the guy's <laughs> sister popping up as a hologram and being like, you didn't care about America. And he's like, I know I never cared about America. <laughs> No, that that that's that is what's going on here. Yeah, it's that it's like he the, should. Yeah, right. Yeah. You, like, why why would you ever want to care about the ability to weaponize these things to the end of the nation yeah. state? Right. There, yeah. So there's right. there's like a million twists that happen at this point. There's one point where oh, she says so that, her middle, that her name is actually Amerigo, but then that never comes up again. <laughs> and, but she does this yep. fun little thing where she talks about Amerigo Vespucci, who is just a fucking liar. And she's like, yes, America, literally the name America is based on a lie. I'm like, I dig that. That's a fun idea. Throw out the rest. You also have to backtrack your way all the way from yeah. the end of which the game. Back cool. to where you like, were at the very in, beginning, in theory, which is cool. But like yeah. you also but, keep running into Clifford Ung. And then you're like, right. oh, it's the president. Oh, and it turns out that my sister, who I never really believed was my sister in the first place, because I kept seeing the stuff where like I was a dead kid on the beach and then she was also there, isn't actually my sister. She's just the no, president, she's actually, which is again kind of what I thought already, because I had no idea what was happening in the beginning. Is actually, my mom, yeah. but also she's not a real person. She's actually just a beach. She's just this the is soul a of the dead body. And it's just fucking it's stupid mess. and it sucks. And there's still five hours <laughs> after that point. Point to like keep yeah. going. <laughs> interesting, interesting, interesting. Uh, disagree. So what? I know yeah, we don't I have time I for this, it. But uh, <laughs> no, I think I think this fucking rules. I think I think it's that not a twist. Is, the problem is they didn't establish. No, just they didn't hear him out. Hear him out. Let's hear him out. Let's hear him out. She was one thing before saying no. She's not that. She's something else. It's just like oh, here's I, this ethereal thing that it turns out is an ethereal thing. I understand all that, but in terms of it, it being convoluted and this giant thing, I've never felt more like Sam Porter Bridge who is just a very lovely himbo, right? Who has really no idea what's going on in most cases. It's just but very sad. The fact and that it it's hard to understand doesn't make it good. Like, that's, oh, I th but I think in it this does in Metal case, Gear Solid. It does. it does in Metal Gear Solid and it doesn't here. It does establish that there was so much shit that was going on in the American government. The Death Stranding itself was caused by the American government. And I think right. there is a very interesting pointed political point that the people who perpetrated this were the supposed progressive leaders yeah, of the, the first country. female president. Yeah, the fact that it was a, yeah. the first female president. And then I don't know at this point it's spoilers, but the next president of the UCA happens to be a black yep. man. Right. Right. And that he breaks down about like all the horrible atrocities that he committed. Yeah. And it is about Kojima reckoning with all the terrible things that the supposed yeah. progressive politicians did in their careers because not only does he do all of that like he breaks down after doing this the whole part of the reason that he had to do that is he had to in his inauguration go up in front of the entire remaining country and lie his face off about what was going literally on lie his face off and Bridget. take off the mask what happens is that the bb program which uh, it, it predates the death stranding 
And what it turns out, you kind of get just a little tiny glimpse of this. It's so brilliant. And and I thought I, I watched the director's cut missions that go into a little bit more that I thought were really well, really yeah. well done. You have to deliver this final like key to the chiral network to get the very last spot online. And it's a bridge mm-hmm. baby. They have yeah. it turned off so you yeah. can't see inside. But that's what it is. So the bridge babies are not there for you to see ghosts. Turns out they can help you do that. And no one knew that at first. They're just there to build the internet. The internet is just built off of babies. So you have done more boss fights. You fought Clifford Unger again. You fought a whale, a whole bunch of BT boss things. And now, you know, the the, we have the new president. We are. This is the end of the game. This is the epilogue of the game. There was this whole fake out with with the credits that were rolling while you're on the beach. And then everything just gets repeated to you that you just heard two hours ago. Uh, But now you are delivering Lou to the incinerator because uh, Lou didn't survive. And you can't take Lou out of the case because, again, there might be some sort of, you know, back to the future esque thing that causes a a bad problem. But ultimately, Deadman, who has been in your corner this whole time and still has love for Lou, is like, hey, look, I'm going to shut up. I'm not telling you what to do, but. If if you were to say try to take it out, it might have like a 30 percent chance of survival. If you yeah. were to burn your little cufflink, they wouldn't be able to find you. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying. So th- this is a great moment, right? The camera zooms out while you're taking this trip. You went there at the very beginning. It's pretty much a straight line. You're going up the mountain. You're climbing it. This song that Clifford sang to Lou, definitely to mm-hmm. Lou, his child Lou. Uh, yes. Is, <laughs> Now playing as like a fully orchestrated, fully professionally sung thing. You go to the incinerator, but then you get this one final twist, which is actually a good one. Mm-hmm. And you find yeah. out, although it's presented pretty extensively, extensively, because again, but in a way that I, I, works for me. Um, sure. Yeah. It turns out all of those things that you have been seeing, all of those flashbacks of the BB getting into your mind. Now, those were your memories entering the BB's mind. Right. Yes. Because you are BB. You are Mads Mikkelsen's child. You are the son right. of Clifford Unger. And Lou, Louise, is the BB yes. that you've been carrying with you this whole time. So, the yeah, I think that that's an interesting thing, because here's this guy that you you just shoot the whole time. And it turns out all he ever really wanted was to reconnect with you as his child. Yeah, because he's your dad. Yeah, like that's, that's <laughs> yeah. fun. And it's like, OK, yeah. this guy definitely has some issues with his own father. Yeah, and like, uh, you know, and, and the, the father and son and child and twin, all this stuff, of course, Metal Gear. But also, again, PT, Silent Hills about, a, you know, yeah, that's all about parenthood. It, it fucking they recreated the eraser head baby in that in that game, you know, Um and and Kojima dealing with himself being a father and with fatherhood and also with motherhood because of the fact mm. that that Sam is carrying this child on his body in an artificial womb. I don't think there's anything more American than having a weird fever dream where you repeatedly kill your own dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think- I think ultimately that is what really ties this stuff to yeah. to the United States. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So we 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 have somehow done it. We have recapped all of Death Stranding over the course yeah. of like three hours. And hell yeah. I, the thing that I kind of wanted to leave us on is, well, first of all, wanted to say, Drew, 
first of all, thank you so much for yeah. spending time with us. We are giving you likes. Oh, we are yeah. putting our thumbs yeah. up toward the screen and it's making a nice noise for you. Keep on keeping on. Is there anything that you would specifically like to talk about, pitch, plug, etc.? Uh, well, first of all, thanks so much for inviting me on. I know it took us a long time uh, since since the first time you said, hey, let's work together. I, I moved 700 miles away. Wow. So that kind of threw, <laughs> wow. Uh, that kind of threw a wrench in our plans hey, here. It was it was but, worth the wait. Yeah. But thank you so much for your patience. And it was a lot of fun talking with all three of you guys. Uh, I do have a podcast. Oh. It's called Everything is Real. You can listen to it at GarbageBrainUniversity.com. And I'm online, Blue Sky, Instagram, whatever, at uh, Drew Toothpaste. Pretty easy to find. Cool. Awesome. Uh, and Lovely. if you want more Worst of All Possible Worlds, we have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash worst of all. If you go there and give us five bucks a month, you can access our entire back catalog of episodes. There's like over 50 premium episodes at this point that you can check out. Yep. Plus the bo- bonus episodes and uh, monthly lads cast fancy movie time every month. Mm hmm. And that lads cast, that's our unscripted monthly show. You get access to that. That's an extra episode a month for 10 bucks. So get on there and check it out and definitely get on there and check out Drew's stuff. Uh, One of one of the really the the OGs in the comics. Statistically, you have (laughs) checked out his stuff. You probably have. You have (laughs) seen his work, whether you know it or not. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, AJ, do you want to take us home? There is a mission. About midway through your first playthrough of Death Stranding, where you have to negotiate a uh, transference of a human package from one bunker to another. It is the junk dealer's uh, girlfriend and the chiral artist's Mm -hmm. daughter. And instead of getting in a car with this person and driving over, uh, you are told to carry her on your back. The first time I played the game, I got bogged down in that mission because the writing is not particularly great. It uh, is actually very confusing and long winded. And I don't think the emotional payoff uh, for the actual story itself was uh, particularly effectively done. But this time. As I loaded this woman onto my back to carry across this barren red landscape next to this giant pit of tar. Something struck a chord in me, which is that Sam Porter Bridges, this nobody guy, would use all of his strength and his time just to help somebody out, to carry their weight when they could not walk, to get them where they needed to go. And on this podcast... We talk about living in the worst of all possible worlds. But we also try to figure out how to make a better one. And yes, that mission is convoluted and weird and all over the place. But in that moment, as that beautiful low roar song comes up underneath you, as you run across that red barren field, I saw a glimpse of that better world. I'm the worst of all possible AJs. I'm the worst of all possible Brian's. And I'm the worst of all possible Josh's. See you next week.